Yo, what's up everybody? Welcome to another episode of Downtime with Downstar, episode 106. And today we are sitting down with Eric Bork. Eric, thank you so much for coming, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Of course, man. Um, so for everybody that is not familiar with you, if you could just give us a quick little summary of who you are, what you do, and what makes you so awesome. Um, I <clears throat> My background is I was a pro skateboarder. I skateboarded for Santa Cruz Skateboards, um, America Independent spitfire back in the day and then i went on the entrepreneurship journey tried to figure out how to be my own boss yeah. was is the is the short story of it um i wouldn't call myself so awesome because it took me a long time to figure it out and i do not have it all figured out i've gotten to a place where i'm doing good i have my own company uh avni intelligence partnered with my business partner mikey taylor and um we run an agency and we also teach people, mainly creative skateboarders and people who have uh, a passion for social media, digital marketing, that type of thing, how to how to make money doing it. Yeah, that's that's the the short version right there. Nice man. So, um, pro skater, if you can give us kind of a a beginning of where everything happened and actually where you're from, yeah. as well. So right now I live in Camarillo, so I'm about 15 miles from you. Oh, right no here. way. Yeah, so I'm, I'm close by, but uh, I grew up in, I was born in, ironically, when you used to get an iPod, it would say born in Cupertino in 1980. And I was literally born in Cupertino in 1980. Oh, wow. So that it makes me kind of old. But um, uh, when I was eight, lived in Cupertino and moved to Santa Cruz. And okay. when I moved to Santa Cruz, this was an era of skateboard, an epic era of skateboarding, where it was dead to the rest of the world. But to skateboarding, it was this this cool time where it was kind of what Thrasher is today. Yeah, It was like the roots of Thrasher, when not everybody knew what Thrasher was. Um, guys like Jason Jesse, anybody who knows skateboarding, <clears throat> Tom Knox, Eric Dressen, it was when when guys like that, a little bit during, after Dogtown, like that era, but it was, uh, it, it basically became my passion when I was eight years old. Nice. And mom took me to flea market, got my first skateboard, and fell in love with skateboarding. So this was, you're in Santa Cruz when you fell in love yeah, with skateboarding. Yeah, moved to Santa Cruz at eight and fell in love with skateboarding. Only lived there till I was 12, but it was just, all I could think about was skateboarding. Skateboarding, and it was all I wanted to do. And the irony is I moved to Camarillo when I was 12, and we started, uh, I, I was still skateboarding, and this was the beginning of kind of a new era of skateboarding when girl skateboards started becoming the most popular thing in the world. And I would, when I was 12, 13, I would always go from here in Camarillo to the Santa Monica Courthouse which today is almost like a land it is a landmark skate spot but back then it, we just rushed it mm -hmm. it was it was a courthouse it was an active courthouse you'd see it on the news but um we would go skate there on the weekends we'd skate in LA and uh, it was it was the one of the coolest eras of skateboarding because I was actually in it and I would go to this the Santa Monica courthouse and see guys like Rick Howard Eric Costin it was when 411 Video Magazine came around, and, and that's my roots, is just going to L.A., skateboarding around Camarillo at the schools, and then going to L.A. on the weekends and skating the courthouse. From there, skateboarding kind of took a drastic turn in, 
I would say it was like 95 and uh, Jamie Thomas's video and Welcome to Hell come, came out. That was when I, I I had kind of been a little bit more technical and I saw Jamie Thomas, he had his hair grown out. He was all gnarly and you know, he had the misfits in his, and I was like, this is, this is everything I want to be. So the, it was funny. I was telling you, I would come out here to Ventura every single day and they had a, they had a, uh, a skate park here back then called Skate Street. Yeah. You know, Skate Street. Yeah. And hell yeah. Skate Street was like the place where I went, went and really kind of stepped up and became, you know, good at skateboarding. I was never the best, but when that video of Jamie Thomas came out, Welcome to Hell, you can watch it. It's such a good video part to this day. And I just, I would watch it like 10 times a day, maybe 30 times a day, just his part, his three minute part. <laughs> and then I would come here to Ventura, I'd go to the college and I would just skate all the rails. In fact, funny story, my first piece of coverage was here at Salzer's and they oh, just built the new building next to it. And I did a trick over, it was my checkout and Transworld Magazine used to get checkouts. And the owner saw it and he, he called my house I was like 16 or 17. He's like, tell your son never to skateboard on my property again. No way. But that was my first piece of coverage was right here in Ventura. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome, man. That yeah. was that. I remember that era. Like I was saying earlier, I wasn't, um, I wasn't that good at skateboarding, but it was still my life. Yeah. You know, um, that was the cool thing in school, pass around skate videos yep. and things like that. And I remember, um, even having a mini disc player. Do you remember mini disc oh, players? Yeah. So I had a mini disc player, and uh, my favorite skate video ever is Baker 2G. Yeah. So I found every single song that was on that video and put it on my mini disc player. Yeah. And that's just like ruined so many computers on Kazaa <laughs> and, you know, yeah. MySpace and things like that. And it was just like the culture of skateboarding. It was just, it, it's something that I don't think people from the outside understand unless you're in it. Like yeah. you say, when you were 12 years old, I remember those times, you know, just going to Cam Skate Park and just that being the most exciting thing that's happening yeah. in my life is just being at that skate park. So when you're 12 years old and you're skating in uh, in LA, how are you getting down there? Uh, just o older friends that skated. My parents would take me once in a while. Oops. My, my parents would take me once in a while and they would... Uh, but then, I mean, we had so many, we had such a big crew that would skateboard that someone would switch off driving. By the time I was 13, you know, I had probably like five or 10 friends that were 16, 17, 18. Hmm. So we just pack in the car and, and head down there at first, like, let's say nine, like the, the early, like girl, that era when it was kind of, you know, just getting started. Um, and girl was like 93. It came around. Gotcha. But, uh, we were, it was just like, where were we going this weekend? And we'd all pack in the car and go somewhere. So usually it was LA back then once in a while it was Ventura. But when that, when, when skate street opened, that became, I, I turned 16, got my own truck and I would drive to skate street and then skate there for a few hours on the weekends, pack everybody in the back of my pickup truck and mm -hmm. drive around and just we had a filmer. We jump in the car, drive around, and just look for spots and just attack. Yeah, that was kind of our uh, that was our go to back then. So at this age, um, what is the feedback you're getting from your parents about your newfound uh, hobby? The funny thing is, is like I I started a skateboard company right because I've kind of been, always been entrepreneurial minded, um, but it, it was tough. My mom kind of leans toward toward 
me being a kind of a jock um, just because she was traditional. She grew up with sports and that was what she was used to. And skateboarding was this new thing. Yeah. Um, my dad was, my dad's kind of the entrepreneur mm-hmm. and he was like, do whatever you want, you know? So Sick. they were overall supportive, but you know, looking back, back then you really couldn't make that much of a living doing it. So there was a little bit of like, Hey, what are you going to do after this? You know, but I, I understand because back then you kind of couldn't really make a full living at it unless you were, yeah, I mean that in that era, Tony Hawk's been around since years before that, but even guys like him were not making that much money back then. So they were good with it. But, uh, at the same time, it was kind of like, I'll grow out of it, you know, in a couple years, but then it started taking off. Yeah. So let's get into that part. When did it start taking off and when did you notice? Was there was there a time or an instance that something happened and it just clicked in your head like, wow, this is this is a pivotal moment in my life? Um, there, so there was a few. And I guess kind of the progression of skateboarding and my timing in it was that uh, in that video I mentioned, Welcome to Hell, the opening part was jamie thomas being on the x games Mm -hmm. and back then that was not cool but you know there was guys that were like wow there's actually you know an industry with this there's actually um you know it might go global there might be something bigger where people can make money and i made i remember it was a big deal chad muska bought a nissan pathfinder Mm -hmm. you know he's from or shorties was from santa barbara and everybody was like, damn, he bought a Pathfinder. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is before Bam bought an A4 and everybody knew. You know, so we were kind of just all watching the industry going like, we don't care. But, you know, we'd skateboard because we love it, right? Yeah. But then we started to see like, wow, there's money coming along. So that was around the same time of Skate Street. So kind of my breakout moment, which it's funny to think about now because now so much more has been done and it's there skateboarding to be to me is very like nostalgic and very uh it's like special place in my heart right but um back then the what happened was i wanted to be pro Mm -hmm. so they had this contest at skate street they had the pros come in and the the first part of the contest this is this is like all the best pros in the world i placed first oh excuse me i qualified first yeah now i ended up getting i think the way that they did the contest was i got like 18th but at the end of the first day uh semifinals i i placed first and i was like i cannot believe i placed first there was all the best pros in the world there wow um but i i just the the i did the same thing over and over and it was my hometown park Mm -hmm. so the second day everybody kind of like you know outshined me and i got 18th but it was like wow like i actually did okay and then, but that skateboarding wasn't so much about contests. Uh, the, the way that I kind of broke out in the skateboard industry was there's the, the triple set at Santa Monica. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, someone's like ollied it and 180 it. I was like, I want to do a switch frontside flip down it. So I went there and I tried per, for probably like five days. Mm-hmm. And I was getting flow, they call it back then. Well, they still call it. I was getting flow from a couple of companies and... I, I landed this switch frontside flip down the triple set for this this guy called BK for his video and it's still it's uh, it's called I think one small step is mm-hmm. what it's called uh, it, you can find it on YouTube it's old though it's like in the four the four by three square format oh, and then when I did that I I got a bunch of offers so I got a bunch of offers and the offer that I decided to go with 
was Santa Cruz Skateboards. Nice. So was Santa Cruz, uh, it started out of the city where you were, uh, where you lived at, yeah. Santa Cruz? The, the irony is I ended up skating for them, but living out here. Yeah. But it, I, I grew up there and, and felt, they basically told me, they were like, look, you have a few offers, but we're going to make you like the main guy on the team right now. And so nice. I was like, okay, that sounds cool. So I went with it. Plus, I think uh, they're the, one of the only companies that has, and gosh, I, I feel there might be one other like Powell, but okay. they're one of the only companies that was around before that and is still around still today around. Yeah, because they just have a solid business. Um, sorry, what were you going to say? So um, when you got sponsored, how old were you at this time? Uh, my first sponsor was at, at that time I was 18. So my first sponsor was when I was 12. It was Surf and West in Simi Valley. It was a skate shop. And then I skated for a shop called Circle Sports that's in Thousand Oaks. Got you. So then you get um, this uh, the sponsor when you're 18. At that point, how did that feel um, just getting that opportunity? I mean, it was huge and, and it was a little difficult because I, I had started a, a skate company with my friends here in Ventura and uh, I was going around selling stuff myself and then realized that I'm probably back then you had to have a board, a board company or it was almost impossible to make it. This was before shoe deals. This was before like big money endorsements, before drinks, before anybody was yeah, making yeah, big yeah. money. So your board company was it. And I realized that if I didn't have a board company that was going to push me, that I wasn't going to I wasn't going to go anywhere. And so I I stopped doing the company that I had started with my friends and I got on Santa Cruz. Now right when I got on Santa Cruz, I realized that they were going to push me in a whole different way. They started and I always like to preface this, you know, uh, basically because it's important to understand that back then there was no Instagram, there was no YouTube. You had to be in the videos and in the magazines. And mm -hmm. Santa Cruz, they were tight with Thrasher. They were tight with Independent, with Spitfire. Uh, they, they put out their own ads. So you had companies that were spending all of this money on advertising and pushing you and they were actually paying the photographers for photos of you and having editorial done with you. And I realized in doing my own company that I had no money to pay people to put me in ads. Yeah. I, and not only that, but then the other companies wouldn't back me with my own company. So it was a tough choice because it was like a lot of my friends, excuse me, doing this company. But I realized that if I wanted to have a career in skateboard for a living, which is like a dream, right? Yeah. Uh, that I had to go with a, I had to go with the company that had money to put me in magazines and videos and stuff like that. So uh, it was a huge opportunity because the first thing that they did is they sent me a giant package of ten boards and a bunch of wheels, and then they got me on Spitfire, they got me on Indie, um, they got me on all these companies. They sent me traveling around the world, and I remember right when I got sponsored, I paid off all my credit. I was young, so I didn't have that much debt, but I like got these checks, paid off everything and started traveling around. And it was kind of, you know, it was a dream come true. So at this time, you're 18 years old, um, then you start traveling. So can we get into like how much you were getting from them? Yeah, we can get into whatever you want. All right. Yeah, <laughs> let's do it, man. Because this is what always interests me. You know, I want uh, I want our listeners to know how things started 
and where they ended up and everything in between because a lot of people don't like to talk about the specifics um, when it comes to the monetary amount or even when it comes to the hardships you know nobody ever wants to highlight the hardships which i feel that's what most people will relate to mm-hmm. and it'll like humanize somebody yeah so if somebody sees you at this point that oh, i could never get to that but then they find out that this person went through all of these certain steps and then you realize that hey i'm at a better position than that dude was at where i'm at now so let's kind of foreshadow here a little a little bit and let's jump into it so let's talk what, what i do today is i help creatives i help um people start their own agencies and build their own businesses based off creative skills so we'll get into that down, yeah. down the road in the story so this podcast you you take your time we have a conversation and it's great because we get to highlight the different steps along the way um but we'll get to that and we'll talk about how to help people get started on their own perfect but i love going through the story and i'm i'm pretty open about everything so back then i was i think at my peak as a pro back then i was making like 2500 bucks Nah, like i would say 3200 dollars a month okay that that was like that was the the pinnacle of me being a pro skateboarder so you're making this much at this time what is your uh life outside of skateboarding look like uh where are you living relationships things like that what what is your focus towards um, so my my um my focus was on skateboarding 100 percent. it was it was i want i wanted nothing more that to be a pro skateboarder my whole life since i was eight years old in santa cruz all i wanted to do is be a pro skateboarder now what happened, I was only a pro skateboarder for about a year. Okay. Um, and we can get into this as much or as little as you want, but um, I am what you would call today an inactive Mormon. So right now, I grew up Mormon, um, and the reason I quit skateboarding, which actually makes my story like very different, is I became very Mormon when I was like 20 years old. And... Um, I decided I was gonna go on a two-year mission. And so I went on my mission and um, quit skateboarding. Oh. So my, my, uh, and, and we can go into that as much as you want. Yeah, I'm, I'm super intrigued by that <laughs> because uh, I always tell people that usually about 10 years, if you focus on something, you, you'll you start seeing some sort of fruits yep. at the end of the road. So from eight to 18, then you start seeing the fruits. Yep. What happened in that two years that you just realized that this dream that I had wasn't as yeah. important as, uh, say, your religion or wherever life took you down that point? So it's funny because we could, I, I'm totally like good talking about it now, but when I stopped being Mormon or stopped going to church, like it's been like eight years or something, I was really angry mm-hmm. and I was really angry because the reason I quit skateboarding is I, I was, I had this, this kind of false sense of I can do anything I want. Now, I, I'm not saying that in a way of discouraging anybody from their dreams, right? Because you can do anything you want, but you have to stick with something and you have to focus. You can do one thing you want, yeah. maybe two or three, but you can't just do everything you want. So I was on this, I can do whatever I want. If I quit, I come back, I'll be bigger. But in, call it ego, call it you know delusional, whatever I was. I thought I could just put it all, and I had been skateboarding since I was eight. I turned pro at 18, 19, which is dead mm-hmm. on, 10,000 hour yeah. rule, right? Living my dreams, traveling. And then I was like, I'm going to do it. Nobody can tell me no. 
um, you know, my dad actually tried to tell me, hey, do it a little different. You know, do, do it a little different. Stick with skateboarding. You, you can do more. Um, not more, but he's like, you can do it your own way. But I was just, I was just like so dead set on, I'm going to like make this point and do this. And so I left and I went to Guatemala for two years. So what was your motivation at that time? What's going through your head? What, what made you feel like that was the move that you had to do? Just jumping in. And this is something I see a lot with with people who go really religious really fast. And here's the thing. Let me preface this by saying because there, religion is, is a very polarizing thing. And I only get into it on conversations like this where we can have like an open conversation. If it's like a short interview, I'm going to be like, yeah, I didn't make it. I skated a year. I moved on, went to work for a company, yeah. you know. But um, when we can have conversations like this, I'll talk about it. So when a lot of times what I've seen is people are very, 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 very one way and then they get very religious and they just, they're, it's it's blinders. It's that's all you can see. And then there's some people who can just be like more moderate about things. And I think that was kind of my, my mistake growing up is I was very extreme. Mm-hmm. So I went from, you know, had a really tough breakup with my high school girlfriend and then said, I'm Mormon. And it was because I was sad, right? Yeah. And I, I became, you know, very Mormon. Like that's all I could think about was I have to do everything like, I have to go on a mission. I have to do all this. And then the the thing the thing about going on a mission as a Mormon is you're looked down on if you don't go on a mission. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and you're kind of told like, if you don't go on a mission, you're not going to marry like the right person. And, you know, there's there's good and bad to, to everything. And that was one of the things that looking back, I was kind of like, you know what? I should have done it my own way. Um, but I, I was just so extremely into it that i decide i'm going to give everything up i've ever worked for now my mindset was not like think this through logically yeah it was more of an emotional like i i, I have to do this like i'm inspired i need to do this which i'm very careful about now so uh that was that was the reason why i just thought i'm getting pressured to, to do this and you know everybody wants me to do this at church and so i'm gonna do it and so, so- i Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry to cut you no, off, but ahead. was anybody else uh, in your family Mormon? Yeah, so half, t- today, half my family's Mormon. Okay. Half my family's not Mormon. Or in, a- they, in, in the Mormon church, they call it inactive, where you stop going. The The Mormon faith is something where you're, you're kind of all in or you're, you're not. Gotcha. It's like you feel very uncomfortable going to church if you're not doing everything you should be, you, you're supposed to be doing, right? Yeah. So if you go to church and you're not, Let's say you go to church and you're you're living with your girlfriend or you're or you're drinking. You feel very uncomfortable at church. So that's why most people are either Mormon or they don't want to be associated with it because they go and then they don't feel comfortable being there. So what are the some of the things that they make you feel uncomfortable? Like how 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 do they make you feel uncomfortable? It's funny because anytime I bump into someone for church, like oh what are you doing? Uh, I, and I'll say like oh, I'm living with my girlfriend, and they're like oh. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and uh you know i'm not i'm not the, the funny thing is i don't hate now i'm i'm so yeah. far beyond being angry about it like love my mormon side of the family L- like love my not active mormon side of the family but there there was a point where if podcast you know if we if this if this was a long time ago you'd hear me being very angry towards it yeah um I, i'm very respectful of of anyone of any religion um 
you, you know, I, a very, very open-minded person, just, uh, that, that was, that was, you know, where I was at when I was 20 years old. So 20 years old, you're, uh, fresh off a bad relationship or bad breakup. You decide to go to Guatemala for, um, what, what did you call it? A mission. A mission. Okay. Yeah. So but what does this mission look like? What are, what are you supposed Dude, to do crazy, there? it's crazy, man. It's so crazy to think about. Like, so you, you don't, you basically have a companion. Sorry, I speak fluent Spanish. Um, I learned while I was there. It took me about oh, a year wow. to be like fluent, fluent. And um, you go and you live with your companion. It's you. And if you're a guy, you have a guy companion. If you're a girl, you have a girl companion. And you just walk around the streets. And I was in the most dangerous parts of Guatemala. Like the stuff I saw was insane. I cannot believe that I walked around Guatemala as a white boy for that long <laughs> like seriously i saw people get murdered in front of me machete like you name it no shit yeah wow <laughs> i can tell you stories if you want yes please <laughs> all right well i'll tell you a couple there's i'll tell you two so there's one there was this 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 gringa she's like blonde hair blue eye right so she there they have like the sisters and, and the, they call them elders right so the sisters lived, we we're in this town called Tikisate in Guatemala, and they lived like uh, five minutes from us. So one day th they switch you up. You're with different companions throughout your whole, whole mission. And one day she gets transferred and the leader of the, the gang, like the local gang comes over and to the other one and, and go, that's still there and goes, where'd she go? And, and they, they, had, they were like friends with this neighbor. And he's like, I came over here to tell you like this gang was going to kidnap her and rape her. And like they were going to do it today. Like they had this full plan and they were going to abduct her. They were going to rape her, kill her. Where is she? Like, get out of here. So that was one story. Another story is I was um, and they they, they had, I, I should add into it. They, they knew what time they left the house. They knew what time they ate lunch, where they ate lunch. They knew everything about their schedule. They had this full plot to like abduct this, this, this girl. Just yeah. And then she went into the capital after that and got stalked. It was it, her situation was crazy. But wow. anyways, the one the craziest one for me is uh, I was walking home one night, and the streets in Guatemala, like in the city, it's a two way very small street. It's like quadrants. It's mm -hmm. like quads. And so we lived down this one and we moved in with this old lady and she's like, please move in with me. And we were kind of like, why does she want us to move in so bad? Well, we get there for like two weeks and one of the neighbors is like, oh, there's been like five home invasions for the old like missionaries that were there. And we're like, shit. Oh, okay. <laughs> Damn. So your security. So, so there's bars and like, I would like look and, and dude, we didn't have guns. We didn't have anything, you know, we had no, no security. So this one night we're walking home and uh, this, these two dudes walk by us. We're walking down the street. And the craziest part about this is that we had, you have different people who you're teaching. So we go out with like this group, we're coming home. And then these, this one group's like, take us, uh, take us home. So we take them home. We come back. And as we're walking back, these two guys walk by us. They walk ahead of us. Mm -hmm. We get to our door and the reason I said the streets are small is because the, like there there's metal garage doors like on both sides, right? And it's just like you're you're in a tunnel. 
metal 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 doors on one side metal doors on the other you stick your key in the metal you know wall opens you go into your house gotcha so these two guys walk by us we go to our door which is on the right they go to a house that's like probably five houses down on the left there's a pickup truck i see these two guys separate there's two two people in the car and i, I still remember watching this craziest thing I've ever seen guy gets out of the the driver's seat and this guy walks up to him this guy was he was straight the the shooter he was straight out of a movie yeah so he walks up turns pop 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 and i remember looking down and being like so you get used to it you get like because there's firecrackers going off all day and so i i've got very used to like those are firecrackers those are gunshots because you hear gunshots all day so i see the the one guy walk up to the driver pop 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 and then i just watch this dude go and fall and then he stands over him and this guy was straight up assassin just boom 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 he unloaded 40 rounds i watched him do it just on this dead body right in front of him the other guy the passenger starts running towards us luckily he was on the other side of the street yeah the the guy was with my companion just went into he just froze and he had the key in the door and i'm like watching this and this kind of like makes me feel like i have like a little bit of you know reactional ability yeah because i was like open the door dude open it we're gonna get shot and as he's doing this this other guy's running towards us on the other side of the street after he unloads the 40 rounds this guy's like almost like to us and this all happened in like 30 seconds and he starts shooting at him one shot knocks this guy over he he looked now keep in mind like i don't know if you shoot or not one shot this guy's like 50 feet away hits him oh wow with his first shot and then he's he like falls the, the, this guy actually survived he falls and he's like shooting at him and i just remember hearing like doo, 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 doo. <laughs> like dude those are bullets they're flying by us i'm like open the door dude open the door so finally i like take the key from him and we go inside and like that that was that so like and there's more i could tell you more but wow yeah this one one more this one guy came up to me one day he's like give me a cat the quetzales or the the currency he's like give me a cat okay give me give me another cat and give him a cat and he goes all right man He's like, okay, I'm not going to, I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, you like, I've like, I've mugged you guys. I've taken your shoes. I like, if you didn't give me a cat, I was basically going to kill you. And then he walks away. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so there's like a lot of crazy stuff like so, that. So what are you thinking at this time coming from, oh, I'm a, I'm a pro skater. Oh, let me just go live in Guatemala and start seeing this To be shit. honest, man, it was kind of hard because the, a lot of the missionaries are younger and so they don't take it as serious i was like dude i just gave up like not only did i give up a career but i was there's waves of people coming up in skateboarding and i came up alongside p-rod mikey taylor um just chris cole like a lot chris cole wasn't my friend back then but just that same era of people coming up yeah and um you know i i was like dude i'm out here to be serious and like you know i was kind of like crazy strict and stuff um because it was hard because a lot of the kids that came out there were like oh whatever like we'll just go on a mission for fun then come back and you know go to college me i was like dude i just gave up like a full-blown skate career like i'm not here to like mess around yeah. you know so i was like really intense and really serious about it 
Uh, and it didn't really hit me what I had done until I got back home. And that's when I kind of realized what I had like thrown away. So before we get to that point, you spent two years yeah. in Guatemala. So yeah. you're 22 at the time that you decided. I actually to leave. left when I was 21. So I was so about 21 to 23. I was in Guatemala. Okay. So your task there is to spread the message of Mormon. Mm-hmm. Is, okay. Got you. So uh, the Book of Mormon. The Book of Mormon okay. and Joseph Smith. Yeah. Got you. Okay. Shout out to them. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not that familiar. Yeah. With uh, I can. Most, I can talk about religion. as much as you want. But um, no, it's definitely interesting, man. And and you know how you say that you got in a bad relate or you had a bad breakup. So uh, let me clarify. I had a I had a tough breakup. The girl is super cool. She's still friends with my sister. She's still awesome girl. But it was like a really tough breakup. Was that your first? That was my first breakup? love. My first breakup. Um, super super cool girl. Um, she's from Camarillo. And still friends and stuff, but I think the breakup was primarily because of me and being Mormon, you know? Uh-huh. Um, and it was also my first relationship, like serious relationship ever. So, yeah, went from that, was just like dove in, went to, you know, gave up skateboarding and then went to Guatemala. So, what was it our time limit? Like, okay, in two years, I'm out of here? Or did something happen where you said that this, I'm not with this no, lifestyle you, anymore? No, you're supposed, to, with Mormonism? Yeah. No, so you're, you, uh, you're supposed to go for two years and okay. then you come home. Now, when I say two years, that's two years of, of no, no, nothing with girls. Like no talking to, no texting. You don't, you don't talk to girls. You don't call back home. You're basically on like a, a strike mission for the military, but it's the Mormon church. You, you don't call back home. You can call back home on like twice a year. Like uh, I think it's Christmas and not even Thanksgiving. What about letters? You can write letters. Okay, gotcha. So you can write letters. Um, But no, no girls, no drinking. Well, no drinking is a part. No drinking drugs is a part of the religion. Gotcha. Right? Um, so yeah, I it, it was... Two very strict years. And then you, you complete your time. You get like honorably discharged. You go home and you're you're basically at that point. I can't say, yeah, it's part of the religion. You're supposed to start, get married and start a family. Got you. Got so you. I got married to the wrong person. Well, well, let me say this. Well, anything else you want to ask on the, the mission? Go ahead. And yeah. So let's, we'll get that um, wrapped up. Uh, so you do your time over there. So once you get home. Um, and actually, till now, in hindsight, what did you realize that you learned from those two years, uh, go- good or bad, about yourself? So it was, during the time, it was kind of, uh, I mean, oh, about myself. Okay. Uh, about about my yourself, s- life lessons, and things that you took out of that to, uh, so my to li- get you to where you're So this is my life lesson. There, there's a couple. Number one is make decisions so like i didn't realize that i made very emotional decisions when i was younger and um just something that i've observed is that a lot of times when people are so strict in something they they flop or they go to the other extreme and i see it a lot of there's like a lot of girls and they'll go to they'll be super strict super religious and then they go to college and they just have sex with everybody and do a (laughs) ton of drugs yeah and just like go to the full other end you know and it's it's kind of sad man because there's like i lived up in utah for a little bit okay and um you see people that they decide that the religion isn't for them and they go to these crazy extremes they go to these extremes that 
they they just kind of go off. And and my thing when I stopped I stopped going to church around 2007. Okay. So and, and I'll I'll get back to what what you're talking about, but there was five years after I got home or so that I was like, I got to get married. I married I married the total wrong person. Then got divorced two years later. She was 19. I was 25. She had no idea what she wanted in life. She was uh, like looking back. Uh, she just I, I just wouldn't like her. You know, like if I met her, I thought she was attractive, but I just didn't like her as a person. She, yeah. she was like not nice to people silently. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, life lesson number one is don't ever go so crazy about something that you get blinders to what's what's going on in the rest of the world because you could make a decision that you might later regret. Um, that that would be the main thing I would say is like when you're doing something, keep a perspective on the rest of the world. That that would be the biggest thing that I learned from it. You know, I told I told Mikey and Paul, I was like, I'm going on a mission and they try to talk me out of it. Um, and for anybody who doesn't know skateboarding, it's Mikey Taylor, Paul Rodriguez. I told them, I'm like, I'm, I'm doing this. And they were like, dude, just stay and just keep, just why like give it all up? Why not just, and I was so just blinded, like not thinking about anything else that I threw away. I didn't understand that I had put, I didn't understand 10,000 hour rule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't get that. Yeah. I just thought I could do anything. So that'd be lesson number one. Um, th- that's the main lesson I would throw out there. Um, another thing I learned is that people rise and fall. You know, people, and it's funny because you see some of the biggest people in the world and then you see them fall and you see them have millions of dollars and go to being broke. And the other lesson I learned was don't ever, no matter what point you ever get at, A, don't ever think you know everything. And then and then B, don't ever think that you can't fall mm-hmm. because however big you get, however much money you have, like it can all go away. And for me, it did. Okay, let's get into that. So, uh, you get back from your mission, and uh, let's 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 see if we could touch a little bit on the uh, the the marriage part yeah. of it. So, um, if you could paint that picture for us, how I that mean, ended up happening, and where that led to. So super straightforward, um, and that kind of ties into skating. So when I got back, I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a pro skateboarder again. I went out and I tried, and it just wasn't happening. It was it was very hard. It was bef- it was everybody was getting kicked out of the streets. Everybody was setting up uh, like lights at two in the morning to get tricks. There was no like training facilities like there are nowadays. Skate Street was pretty much gone. They had moved it. It wasn't as good. Um, so you still could train and like and skate a lot but it was a lot um more difficult than it was before i'm just gonna put my phone on the ground so it no doesn't worries raise. um it, it was a lot more difficult to come up when i got back so i had to come up again got you and um you know i'd kind of burned my bridge with santa cruz i, I still talk to a lot of those guys but um they were kind of like dude you bailed on us we invested all this money into you and then ah. you just left you know and they were kind of pissed that. yeah and um you know, I, I tried to be a pro skateboard again. It wasn't happening. And I got super depressed. And I was like, dude, this sucks. Like, I just threw away. Like, why didn't I just not go on a mission and just do my thing? And, you know, why didn't I do that? So I got really depressed. Uh, I started working for a backpack company called OGO. And I put together a team, like one of the best skate teams out at the time. It was Eric Costa and Paul Rodriguez. We had video filmer bags for Ty Evans and Atiba Jefferson. And so I, I basically had this choice of like, 
am I going to try to be a pro skateboarder, which wasn't happening, mm -hmm. or am I going to go down this corporate employee route and you know build a company? Well, I put together with Ogio one of the best skate teams out there. We had Tori Pudwill. I mean, we had so many people I can't even name them off, and it was going off. And I had a budget to give away free bags. Everybody wanted bags, so I kind of made the choice at some point of I'm going to go down the corporate employee route, and it was fun because I got to travel and. I had like the corporate card and would travel to the X Games and, uh, you know, Mountain Dew Tour and all the the different events. I got to go on skate, tri skate trips, still working skateboarding. So that was fun. And um, at the time met a, a, Mormon, a young 19-year-old Mormon girl from Canada. Got married. Man, it was it was tough from the beginning. You know, she... she uh, won't talk to me to this day. She, really? It sucks, oh, dude. Shit. But I should I knew better. I shouldn't have married her. You know? Yeah. It's like looking back, it was the dumbest thing I ever did. We weren't right for each other, but there's a lot of pressure to get married. So got married to the wrong person. Uh she she I don't wanna I don't wanna like dog on her, but she just it was one of those things where she was so young and she like when we were first dating kind of hooked up with another guy didn't tell me then kind of confessed and it, like the trust was gone yeah and then it kind of became like oh, i don't know and then that made her like desperate to hang on to me and then it was this back and forth thing and we thought getting married would work and we so we did and it was stupid and we fought all the time and didn't like each other yeah don't don't ever marry the wrong person that's that's the biggest life lesson is don't ever marry the wrong person uh, walk away. Just don't. Marriage isn't going to make anything better. You know, my current girlfriend I've been with for eight years. She's the most amazing person. Super stoked on her. We're buddies. Like, it, it's all there. Yeah. You know, it's all there. So, yeah, that that was the. And the I guess what happened just to sum it up, my wife, ex-wife, left me one day. She's like, I didn't do my life. I need to go do it now. I don't. I'm out of here. And I was really? like, what? <laughs> like. But no, and then she left, so. Dude, that, you know, I always try to tell people that, man. Like, you need to live your life you and do. get all of that stuff out of your system. You do. Yeah, and uh, that's not saying, you know, you go to the opposite spectrum and you just go balls out. But, yeah. you know, you just date different people, you know, have yeah. these experiences. So when you get to your whatever mid 20s or whatever whatever timeline you give yourself mm -hmm. that you're not going to have those those thoughts yeah. anymore and i see that happen so many times man people get in a relationship and you know high school sweethearts or what yeah. have you and I, i'm just looking at it from the outside just like oh i hope that things don't go the way that traditionally it does because it's just human nature yeah. people want to experience things and then they you never know who they have in their ear or f friends showing them certain examples yeah. and it's a hard lesson to learn man you know what and the one thing i will say like if we're talking like marriage relationships is definitely that i don't think i've ever before my current girlfriend I don't think I've ever been in a relationship that like actually felt right. Yeah. And that sounds so bad because I've probably been in like five serious relationships, but there's a lot of wrong reasons to be in relationships. There's, you know, the physical attraction part, there's like social, but it, you don't really know who you click with unless, unless someone has like a really good model of like, you know, parents that just did it right, mm -hmm. which a, most people don't, yeah. you know? 
Um, and my parents are still together and they're, they're, they're good, but they, they're, you know, it's, they're not traditional, you know, they're not like my dad's 16 years older than my mom. It's like, they're very, uh, it's not like a, a perfect model. Some people have that most people don't. And so I would say if you're in a relationship that doesn't feel right, it's probably not. Yeah. And I, I'm not trying to tell anybody to break up, but the I, looking back at the other four like serious relationships I have, they didn't feel right. It was just hard to end them. Well, you, you know? know, you'll know. And it, I when think... you meet the right person, you're like, this feels right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I could totally relate to that, man. A lot of the relationships that I've been in, I can look back now with, with my um, experience now and just think like, man, I can't believe you let yourself go down that road, but yeah. you're not looking at things in the future. You're looking at right then. You know, I remember um, I was showing you that I'm big into cars, right? Yeah. So when I first got my car in 2009, I was in a relationship and she's seen the progress of everything, me getting the car, going out there, my passion for everything. Yeah. And I remember that it's the night to put the motor inside the car. This is like the biggest night ever. Finally, you know, Frankenstein, the heart is going inside the car. Yeah. And she's blowing up my phone asking me if we're going to go out to the club that night. And, oh. you know, selfishly, I should have, you know, communicated, you know, I'm not going to be able to go. But I'm just like, how do you not understand that that is not important to me? Yeah. Like, this is important to me. And then, you know, just just seeing like that they don't have the same respect for what you're doing, yeah. but they want to be going out to the clubs and things like that. And that was that should have been my red flag to be like, yo, you need somebody who is supportive. Yep. of what you're doing and then when i met my um my wife now i met ashley in 2012 dude life changed you yeah. know like i said i stopped working i took everything full time because i had that weight lifted off of me yeah. of somebody that's putting their insecurities or problems on me and i'm trying to figure myself out and now i'm trying to you know juggle everything and they're not even respecting yep. what i'm trying to build which is something completely out of the norm that um i mean maybe they just couldn't see the vision at that time but you're totally right dude is when you find that right person it just somehow it just clicks and you oh, and this is a, worth it and there's a test too that well for me this is a great test is like can i 100 percent just be myself like i'm i'm a little crazy my current girlfriend like when i like lose it or something she's like kind of laughs, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like so like understanding and like cool and i not that i'm like I don't want to paint a terrible picture of myself, but you know, everybody has their things and like, I can totally be a hundred percent myself and she can be totally a hundred percent herself. And that's like the key I think is to just be able to be yourself, but then be happy and have someone else be themselves and both you be yourselves and be happy. Yeah, no, definitely. That's kind of what I feel like is the test. And then you, you find that foundation and you, if you can realize it as something to build on, then, then you start building and then you see what kind of things that you do that are, you know, detrimental to the relationship and you kind of focus on those rather than, you know, seeing their problem yep. and keep highlighting that. And that was one of my big issues. Yeah. You know, I see something inside of them and you need to do this, you need to do that, but I'm not looking at myself. Yeah. I remember I would say, this is my world. You're just living in it. And I'm like, God <laughs> damn, I, I could just imagine Somebody telling me that, that would yeah. make me feel like shit, you know? Yeah. But, I mean, that's the space that I was in at that time. Yep. So, you go through this marriage. Uh, it doesn't work out. 
Now you said you were working for the the corporation, um, the and company. the backpack company, and you're um, feeling. Is it like? Do you feel like you're depressed, or is it just like, man, things aren't going right, or is it just like a big storm of things that are are um, not going right for you? So at that point, um, I had given up. I was depressed before I gave up skateboarding. Okay. Now when I gave up skateboarding. Um, I, like I said, when I got back, I tried and tried and tried for about three years. It just wasn't happening. And then finally I said, you know what? I'm going to pursue a career. So I moved to Utah, uh, was super active Mormon, um, bought a house and was all into like fixing up my house. Like got a hot tub and, you know, had like a bunch of like couple friends and, and was just living. I I mean, you'd call it like everything about it had like the, the American dream, the Mm -hmm. former American dream, I would call it. Yeah. Um, because it's changed a lot. But the American dream of like the two the two cars, the house with the garage, we had a basement that I was remodeling. We had the hot tub, you know, it was a two story house, three bedroom or four bedroom house. Um, had the job, was doing good at my job, uh, for the most part. But they uh what wait, what was your question? The painting the picture. So after um, what ended up happening after the after your marriage. Oh yeah. So uh, okay. So, so basically, your life during in Utah, my marriage, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had this kind of like American dream style life. Yeah. Work at the corporation, house cars, um, and then that was when she left. And okay. when she left, it's funny because, and people will argue me on this, but I think the guys when when it's a divorce guys oftentimes don't do as good as the girls do in divorces because for guys we don't realize that we have emotions and then all of a sudden i hit some emotional highs and lows that i didn't think were possible i remember being like i didn't think it was possible to feel and i didn't the funny thing was i thought i would be fine yeah i was like i'm gonna be fine uh, when I get divorced and anybody who's been through a divorce or a really hard breakup, uh, knows that it's very difficult. And so all of a sudden I found myself like for the first two months, couldn't get out of bed. And I was like, what is happening? Like, I thought I would be fine. I have all these like emotions. And as a guy, you don't have anybody. It's not like you can go, Hey bro, let's talk about my emotions. You know, those conversations when you're going through something like that usually last about three minutes and then your buddy's like, let's talk about business or skating or something, you <laughs> yeah. know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the girls go off and they oh, come here, tell me how you feel. And like, oh, we'll make you better. And like, we'll have like make food and, and watch movies together. And like, yeah. they get all this emotional support. So as a guy, um, I remember my one friend, he was like, I think he'd either been through it or something. And he like gave me a big hug. And I was like, bro, nobody gets it. Like, I thought I would just be like, whatever, next girl, you know? And I was torn up. So for six months, I'm super torn up, depressed. And then I met some friends up there and they were they were Mormon friends, still still some of my friends to this day um, and started, you know, dating up in in Utah to try to find someone that I was into. And the funny thing was, is like the second I got, went through my divorce, I literally went back to work. Well, no, this is a great story. Went back to work after like, I had a bunch of paid time off, vacation time. So I took a month and a half off work or two months off work. I was like, guys, I'm sorry. Like, and I was literally, I couldn't get out of bed. Uh, Tried all these like antidepressants, didn't make anything better. 
just had to go through it. So I go back, I finally am like, I gotta get out, I, at least I have my job. Yeah. Go back into work the first day, sit down at my desk, like break down and go home. Like I can't do it. So then a week later, I finally go back into work. I've been out of work for like a month and a half, two months, go back in, they call me in and fire me. No shit. <laughs> so, like, dude, talk about like not, talk about going from like traveling the world, skateboarding. Now keep in mind, my friends who were coming up right when I bailed, they're now P-Rod. Yeah, I was. I wanted okay. to ask you that, man. They're, they're now Mikey Taylor. They're now P-Rod. They're now like the biggest names in skateboarding on the planet. So I'm looking at this going, dude, I, I moved out here. I did this. My life sucks. I hate Shit. my life. Then I, I bounced around from the, the skate industry wasn't really out there. Um, but because of the Mormon thing, I was like really trying to stick it out in Utah. And, uh, I do, I was just totally unhappy all the time. Just totally unhappy. Like I, I dated, like, I, I don't know if it was just me, probably because a lot of the girls, girl, Mormon girls get married young. Mm. They get married when they're like 22. So there I am 30 trying to date. All the girls are like young and I'm just like, dude, I just went through this with the young girl. I'm not trying to date. So I dated a couple girls that were like 19. I'm 30. It's just like, this is not good. Like I need to like find someone I can actually like have a good relationship with. And um, dude, I didn't date one girl that it could have actually worked with. And I dated, a, that's when I kind of like dated a bunch of people and then was like, okay, now I know what I want. Mm-hmm uh moved back home and met my current girlfriend within a month nice and she's like amazing uh we'll we'll end up getting married yeah, yeah, yeah. and end up you know she's she's amazing hell yeah man so you you left uh bef- before we get off of the divorce um did was there any signs that she was on the way out or did it just hit you out um, of nowhere it it did kind of hit me out of nowhere so but there were a ton of signs um that you knew at that time or now all right so here here's here's what happened when we were in california she worked for this orthodontist and this orthodontist was uh a a member of the church right and so her and i did not get along and to be i'll be straight up a lot of it was my fault a lot of it was my fault because and I'll tell you kind of the dynamic. Basically, she lied to me in the first three weeks of us dating. And I was like, dude, I'm done. Mm-hmm. And then she became like desperate, like, please stay with me. Please stay with me. But that's not a good foundation for a relationship. Okay? Yeah. So then fast forward, should I marry her? Should I marry her? She's just like trying to hang on. And I remember the first night she moved out to, to California from Idaho. And the first night we were just like, dude, this doesn't feel right. Well, let's keep giving it a try it's like the longer we went the more it was like this social pressure to get married and and i think my looking back i was probably like doing it for the wrong reasons of uh physical attraction because she did not talk she was known for like not ever talking (laughs) but i would be dude it was weird like i remember one time sitting there and like and, and she was glaring at this girl to the point and we were she was like in the front and there was there was an audience and she was like in the front and everyone could see and she was like glaring at this girl <laughs> like so visibly and i don't think she knew she did this but she never talked 
but she had these like really mean feelings towards people at least back then i haven't talked to her in like 10 years but (laughs) anyways so then we we move and we we move to this place she works for this orthodontist and like all of a sudden one and we didn't get along we we didn't really like each other which is the weird part we did all these formal things like oh your birthday and oh we're getting married and wow we're engaged but those were all like surface level things right when it came down to like her and i connecting it was more like her trying to make up for the fact that she had like lied to me and Mm -hmm. me not trusting her which is very not healthy and i should have ended it i just didn't have the experience and whatever back then so she works for this orthodontist thing. One day her attitude flips and she starts becoming all mean and like, like outwardly mean. I'm like, all right, some like she, this is like her, like doing something. Yeah. And, and so I was like, something's up. So anyways, I start like something's up, something's up for like a month. And then finally I hit my buddy up. I'm like, dude, what is going on? He's like, well, what do you think? And I'm like, I don't know. She's kind of weird about this like guy at church, this orthodontist she works for. And he's like, bro, if you want to know the truth, get her phone records. Oh. And I was like, what? Because he's like, yeah. He's like, I, my girl cheated on me. He's like, you want to know the truth? Like, you have this little suspicion. Get the phone. So I get the phone records. Sure enough, sneaking out of the house, calling orthodontist, middle of the night. Oh, so I'm like, dude, she's hooking up with this orthodontist? What the hell? Like, what? She's 19. He's like 40 at the time. So I get the phone records. I'm like, okay. I put it down on like a piece of paper. All the calls, like I I was like puzzling it together. Like, what was I doing? Like, where was I when these like middle of the day, nighttime, like where the fuck were you in the middle of the night? You know, Uh, talking to your boss for two hours. Okay. So I put it on a piece of paper. I'll keep this short, dude, because we're going to get to business here in a minute, but (laughs) we're going in here. I got as much time as you got, bro. So she, I I put it on a piece of paper and then I like, she comes home from work one day and I like give her a chance and I'm like, Hey, uh, you know, is anything weird with your boss? No, really? No. Do you like talk to No. And this is a total attitude change. It went from like passive, quiet to like, Pass, like the most passive aggressive like you could imagine uh-huh. i'm like what about this and she's like it's just work it's just work and i'm like okay so she goes to work the next day and i like i'm like dude this is like bad like and i didn't know if she was like having sex with them or if it was just like the beginning of it because you can't tell what's going on on the phone call there's just phone calls right yeah so then I basically was like, and dude, this makes me sound bad, but I was like, dude, if I, if something's going on, I just want out. Like, I just want to be done. And so, uh, I went in her, went in our room and found her journal and oh, I, I shit. it was like marked and I opened it up and it says, I'm starting to have feelings for Dr. Larson. And I was like, he asked, it said, he asked me if we could go camping and if he had to bring his kids. Dude, I was so mad. I called his office, and I and I don't even give a fuck if I just said his name. Um, I called his office, and I was like, "Can I talk to her?" And I won't say her name. Yeah. And she gets on the phone, like, "Come home now," and she's like, "Why?" No, I'm like, "I read your journal," and she's like, "You did," 
And I was like, come home now or I'm going to come out there and beat his ass. Like, I was <laughs> so mad. And I, I like literally was, I was like, you have a choice. You can come home, we can talk, or I can walk in your boss's office. And, and I was like a hothead back then. I was like, I can walk in his office and punch him in the face. <laughs> Like, dude, the guy's 40 hitting on my 19-year-old wife. Like, Wow. So that, but again, what happened is she apologized. I'll never do it again. But there was no trust. And then we tried to like work through it. And it was like, I felt dumb. She felt dumb. We moved like a month later to try to make it. But it was just never going to work. You know, it was just bad. And so, uh, yeah, we moved. And then that, we moved to Utah out of state for my job. And then that lasted about eight months. And then one day she, I think what happened is she was just so just passive aggressive. She just bottled everything up and bottled everything up and bottled everything up. And I would be like, I would like try to talk to her and she'd just sit there and just not talk. No, no. I mean, you, you gotta understand, like this is how weird it was. My mom, after we got divorced, my, my mom was like, you know, this is weird, right? She's like, you guys have been married for th- no you guys have been married for two years and you dated her for a year before that we've spent hours and days and months and my mom's like i've never had one conversation with her just to put it into perspective wow of, of like how like passive and quiet she is so she's very pat and dude i don't know like i haven't talked she could like have grown up and she i don't, I don't know like there's there's no like we like anger now or like weirdness now other than like I was probably a dick to her because I wasn't, um, because it just wasn't like a good foundation, yeah. you know? So yeah, there were a ton of red flags. Dude. <laughs> All That's the way crazy, from like the bro. first three weeks when she said like, uh, I hooked up with someone and I didn't tell you and you specifically asked me if I did and I lied and said no. You know, that was like the foundation of our relationship. It's never going to work after that. Yeah. You just don't. I guess maybe one day it could if you if someone really means it, but usually it doesn't change and it just, you know, you can't trust someone. So with the in the Mormon faith, is that um, looked down upon a 19 year old that's married oh, no, that's talking normal. to <laughs> talking to a. Oh, the, you mean the orthodontist to, to the orthodontist? Oh, no, dude. And that guy's so lucky too. like I literally the day after that went to church and in my head i'm like if i see him at church i'm just gonna knock him out <laughs> like i'm just gonna, i was and i was serious too it's like if i see him in the halls and i didn't see him and then i, I and it's funny because i'm not like i'm not like i'm making this sound like i love to fight but i really don't yeah i was just so mad and i was just like this guy's so out of like how does he think he's gonna get away with this and then Come to find out, he was like at work telling her like, you have the perfect body, you have the perfect this, you have the, like in detail, like you have the perfect this, the beautiful face, nice this, like perky, like he was like going in on her, like hardcore. And so when I, that's what made me so mad. I'm like, hey dude, I don't know what you're thinking, but that's not okay. And you're 40 and she's 19, like someone needs to check you, you know? Yeah married like if it was we were dating or he just had a we were married you know so but that always comes back man i feel like the people that do that kind of stuff they they end up paying for it somehow you know some way or another you know so they do most you could do is just 
wish wish them the best on their journey but yeah the road that they're going down isn't going to be the the easiest road yeah it's like there. good luck bro <laughs> that yeah that's kind of how i see it you know that's i i kind of went through something similar in my first relationship and i i felt a lot of ways towards it for a long time but you know once i got inner peace and yeah kind of realized what it actually was and it was that person making that decision and that's the route that they decided to take with their life all you can really do is yep. just wish them the best yeah. i mean it's easy to say that now when um you know the life that we've been able to build for ourselves is is kind of something cool you know yeah. so it it's kind of easy to just wish them peace but i i think if i felt if I was still in the same position that I was back in the day, that I would still hold some resentment. But yeah, it, it actually put me on the right path to realize, okay, that is not what I want. And I'm not going to put up with anything that looks anything close to that. 100%. And then I ended up in, in this position that I'm at now, which is like every day is a, is a new exciting time. And sometimes I can't wait till my wife gets home so we could just yeah. laugh and spend that time together. But you have to go down those dark roads to be able to appreciate something that is is great. Yeah. You know? And, and I'll, I'll finish it with this. My only regret is that I went on with it for so long. Yeah. Because if you're in a bad relationship, you only both hurt each other as you keep going. And you just need to let each other go their own way. If it's, if it's causing destruction to one person or the other, if it's causing hurt and they're not able to, be, you just need to let it go. And I should have let it go two and a half years earlier yeah you know yeah so damn that was a deep one man yeah and, and no hard feelings at all i haven't talked about that forever but yeah since you asked that's what happened no i appreciate you talking about that man because that's one thing like i was saying that i like to highlight on this podcast is not just the glitz and glamour of things but like the hard road that people have went down yeah so when you're in utah uh decide okay it's time to move back to california um what did it look like when you moved back? So when I moved back, I basically one day woke up and was like, I'm leaving. And everybody was like, really? And I'm like, yep. And I, I literally just, I had a storage unit from my old house and I had my apartment and I just packed everything in my car and drove home to my parents' uh, floor. Okay. And, um, and that's here in Camarillo? Camarillo. Okay, yep. so you moved from Utah back to Camarillo. Yep. One day you just said, I'm over this. I just said, I am so miserable right now. Like, and I was so unhappy. Like, literally so miserable. Like, no no purpose. Like, I, I was just unhappy. So I moved back home. Um, and I came back and then started kind of going like Mikey Taylor's always been one of my best friends. Like, we'll we'll like, like when I'm in Utah, he was on the, the OGO team. So I would still talk to him, but you know, we'll connect and then disconnect. And this is before we started Avni together, but um, I basically moved back home. I would go skating and then I said, okay, I need to, I need to figure out what to do. So I did everything. I started selling cars. I sold Land Rovers for a little bit. I worked at PF Chang's as a server. I I mean, I drove, you name it. I tried it all to figure out like, okay, what am I gonna do now? Mm -hmm. and, and the weird thing was, this is right when social media started kind of booming. And I, at that point, had like a corporate career, but I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, there was a point when you had a, a solid career in different industries and then everything changed, especially in skateboarding. 
Uh, you could be a team manager, a brand manager, skateboard. Skateboarding kind of ruled the apparel world outside of sports back then because you went to any mall, you had really two options. You had, you know, the the sports shops and then you had the skate-geared clothing and all the, all the like bigger companies, like every other company was copying skateboard yeah. fashion. Mm-hmm. Well, not including fashion, like women's fashion and high-end fashion. So you go to the mall and it's all skating and skate shoes. So I come back, uh, I had a a career path and I was just like, you know what? I want to do my own thing. But back then it was really hard to figure out how to do your own thing. So I started doing all these jobs and then um, I worked for my friend and I was cold calling. I did it for two or three years. I was cold calling Dennis and I would go in and help him get reviews on their websites. And uh, I did that and I just... It's funny because you can make money doing it, but just going around all day talking to people who don't want to talk to you is not fun. Yeah. And so eventually I was just like, I can't do it anymore. And I just I just told him, I'm like, dude, I can't do it. Like, thank you so much. He's still my friend to this day. And I was like, I can't do it. And I went skating at Beeble Skate Park mm-hmm. with my iPhone, with Mikey, with Brandon Beeble and, and everybody that was there. And I just said, you know what? At this point, I'm going to do something with my life. Like I might as well, I have nothing to lose. You know, I I literally have nothing to lose. So I'm just going to do what I want. And what I wanted to do at the time was go skateboarding with my friends. And this was about eight years ago. So eight years, 2008, Uh, around 2000 there. Well, I should say this 2001, excuse me, 2010 is when I moved back. And then I cold called and did different jobs for like three years. So about 2013, 14, I, I just said, you know what? I'm done doing all this like random stuff. I'm going skating. And nice. so it's been five years since I basically decided to do my own thing. Nice. Okay. So we're still in the heart of things right now. Oh, yeah. Sick, man. I mean, right now is the point where where I've like figured out how to do it myself. I we have a program teaching other people how to do it, so that it doesn't have to take them as long as it's taken me, or is it? Yeah, it's take because I'm still working on it. Uh, but I'm in a good spot now. Like yeah. I have a business. We have you know some solid revenue, two solid revenue streams, um, and it's basically to sum it up. And then you can ask, go back or whatever. But the there was always filmers and photographers before Instagram, before social media. And the way that they would make their livings in skateboarding would be they would learn how to shoot photos or they would learn how to make good videos. And then they would get hired by the different companies to do that. So there were all these team managers, there were all these filmers and all these photographers, and they were getting paid from magazines and they were getting paid from from companies that made money purchasing those photos and videos for magazines and videos. Instagram changed all that. Well, it, it made an e-commerce majorly affected skateboarding. Um, skateboarding's totally different than it was back then or after it, it changed. So I figured out over the past five years how to build a digital agency. And that's, we, we do two things, right? Uh, we, we can back up, but I'll just kind of get to it. Yeah. We, we help, I help doctors and dentists and brands. Um, I have all different types of brands uh, basically do their social media, run Facebook ads, make videos, um, 
all, all of build digital products that that's our the agency side of our business and then we also have a program that teaches people like if you're a creative if you're a photographer if you're a filmer if you like social media this is how you get started uh doing your own agency that's that's what the business that we do is okay so yeah um that and i know i just skipped to the end no so it's all good all, all of that stuff uh, i want to give it it's it's uh correct um timing for mm-hmm. it because i'm interested in a lot of that stuff and okay, cool. um but what i wanted to get to so 2013 ish you decide yo i want to do something that that i'm passionate about mm-hmm. um you lean more towards the media side of things um, so I'll just kind of run through the story. So I decided I was going to do video. So what I did is I started, I, I remember Brandon Beeble, anybody that, that knows him knows he's full of energy and just like on fire and just killing it. And the reason they call it Beeble's park, there was actually a few different owners, but because he would just, there was like two years where he would just go there every single day. And it was like, he would show up, he would like get fired up you know we'd all like drink some caffeine start skating and he'd be like high-fiving each other it was really one of the most epic eras of skateboarding some people don't like it some people do but um you had all these you had p-rod you had andrew reynolds you had um mikey taylor you have all these people every single guy mariano every single day stefan janowski coming to this skate park and doing the best tricks in the world and there really wasn't any filmers there except me. Okay. And so I was capturing all of this. Like if you scroll back on my Instagram, you'll still see like a lot of the stuff from back then. Like the tricks that went down there were insane. Yeah. It, it, like people would come to my YouTube channel. And so that's what I started doing. I started making, I would film people with my iPhone. The iPhone can film really good slow-mo for an iPhone or mm-hmm. for a handheld. Um, and so I'd film with my iPhone and I, had, I started a YouTube channel, which I went hard at for about a year and a half. It's got like 13,000 subs or something. But I would just make vlogs of like what would happen at the park during that day. And so as I was doing that, I was like, you know, I like making videos. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start making videos. Like I had had a bunch of dentists and doctors that I had worked with. It's like, I'm going to ask one if I could do a video for her. And so I did. And I made a video for this, this um, female dentist in you know, Camarillo made a video for her and she was, it it was like pretty bad. It was good for her. I did it for free. Yeah. And then I took that and then I went and started making videos for other people, dentists, doctors, different people. So that's how I got into like the creative side of things is I was at the skate park doing what I want. I was like, I don't care. And I was working as a server. Yeah. And I was like, I'm just going to be a server and go skateboarding and and figure out how to start the business of my dreams because i've wanted to start a learning company since i was like literally i'm not joking like 14 years old i was super into tony robbins i was super into like brian tracy all the all the motivational guys when i was a kid like that's all i would do is i would read on tour when we were skateboarding i would be in canada or or france or you know spain and i would be in my room reading these books that's what i love to do is read these these uh personal development books so the company of my dreams has always been to build build something where people can 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 learn and grow and basically a personal development company now i don't really so much like how that industry it 
a lot of that industry right now. I think there's a lot of fakeness. I think there's a lot of highlighting only the wins mm -hmm. and highlighting a lot of stuff that's just not true. Yeah. Which is why I'm really open about the practical parts to doing it. But to sum it up, as I started making videos, and then I quickly realized that, man, I made $6,000 this month, and then the next month I made zero. I need something like reliable. And that's how I, once I started doing that, then I realized, okay, I can start my own agency and do people's social media, run their ads, and, and, and get monthly business that for clients that stick with me. Got you. So when did you realize that you were into um, like motivational speaking, um, like Tony Robbins, things like that? At, at what age did you understand that that was something that caught your attention? 14. 14. And what, mm -hmm. what, what was the reasoning for that? Brian Tracy, I read a book called um, The Psychology of Success. And I was just like, sick. And I started reading about it. And then also when I went through my, my breakup after, uh, after high school, I like the way I coped with it is I sat in my room and read books. Like I was, it's funny cause I'm a total extrovert. Mm -hmm. I, to charge myself up, I need to be around people. It's actually one of my weaknesses is I, I don't do good alone. Gotcha. But I was just going through so much pain. I was like, you know, I'm just going to read these books. And I think I had enough of a social life at that point where it was like I, I was alone for four hours and then I'd go out and be with my friends. But um, I just loved reading these books. And I'd read Tony Robbins, Brian Tracy, um, uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, The Road Less Traveled, just all, any book I could find on like personal development I loved. So at this time, did you feel that you uh, had an entrepreneur sense as well? I did, yeah. And uh, I mean, I started my own skateboard company when I was 16, 16 or 17. Uh, and then when I was skateboarding, I kind of went away from that. And then I, how do I say this without sounding crazy? Basically, when I was working for OGO at the corporation, I was like, dude, the next thing coming is what in the books they called the age of wisdom. And it sounds funny to say it like that, but it's really the age of intelligence. Mm -hmm. And it's where, um, so just kind of give you the, the breakdown, breakdown on why I founded this from a book was uh, Stephen Covey highlights the process of, of development, um, kind of us at, globally. It starts with the hunter-gatherer, it moves to the industrial age. And when, my bad. I said that wrong, the agricultural age. So you have hunter-gatherers and then you move into agriculture and then you have farms. So now someone with the farm can outperform someone who's like gathering their food by 50 times. So the farmer now has all the power. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the farmer's selling food. Then we have the industrial age, the assembly line, building giant skyscrapers. So now the industrial age has assembly lines. They can put together, they can mass produce food. They can mass produce. So they outperform the agricultural age by 50 times. And then we have the age of information, which is the cubicle age, kind of when, when you see people working and living. That's kind of the American dream phase mm -hmm. where you have people working in cubicles. And so I was reading about this, and then they were talking about, well, the next age is the age of wisdom, they called it. Mm -hmm. They're like when culture... And, and knowledge is infused together. And I was like, that's the coolest thing. And so I was always on this thing, like 
that's what I want to do. Like when that happens and now that's happening because you're seeing all this like motivational. Now it's at the very beginning of it, but you're seeing like everybody in every industry is into motivation. Everybody's talking about life and talking about podcasts and broadcasting it to the rest of the world. Like this, this is something new and it's just getting started. You know, it's, and right now, because it's new, there's a lot of it that's really cheesy mm-hmm. and really fake. And, and that'll change. Pe- like People are harping on authenticity right now. Yeah, that's actually one thing that I wrote down that I wanted to talk to you about since you're really familiar with um, you know, online marketing and yeah. things like that. Let's talk about it. That um, in, in our industry, in the automotive industry, there's a lot of people that play characters. And for me, it's very easy to see that they're playing a character. One, because yeah. I have like the backstage pass and I see the behind the scenes mm-hmm. of them. And then I see their demeanor change when yeah. they're not on camera or what have you. And then I see the people that are as authentic as they can be. And I like to fall in that space, yep. whether um, it's my, my highs or my lows, like you see it there and this is who I am. And I feel like that's one reason that people gravitate more towards us and i gravitate more towards people like that rather than the 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 characters so do you feel like that there's a a shift that's coming from the uh the character style influencer to the influencer that is just like yo this was my day today i I didn't do really well but this is what i was trying to do you know that real life uh style of uh influencer yeah a hundred percent and i think a lot of the um you know, people figured people figured out really quickly when they started selling information product products. Um, they figured out really quickly that that cars and girls and houses sell. It's it's just the way it is. It's just everybody would love to live in the mansion of their dreams and be surrounded by, you know, the attractive opposite sex or same so whatever they want all day and and drive the car that they want and and that just that just triggers sales. It it does. It always has. It always will. People look to it and go, "How do they do it? I want to do it." Mm-hmm. The the unfortunate part is that a lot of marketers have picked up on that, and at all costs, authenticity and being genuine have leveraged and used that to sell their products. So when someone comes to 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 our program, they see me. And they see, well, I mean, we it, that's actually something that me and Mikey have really, and I'm just going to, for anybody that just so people know who I'm referring to, my business partner is Mikey Taylor, pro skateboarder. So when I refer to Mikey, that's who I'm, a former pro skateboarder now has a uh, real estate capital company called Commune Capital. So when I say Mikey, that's who I'm referring to because yeah. he's my business partner. And we talk about this all the time. So that's actually one of the biggest things that me and Mikey have, have, um, had a hard time with in starting Avni is that everybody in this space is like, how did I get this Lamborghini? This is how I did it. Join my course now, you get clients in 24 <laughs> hours. You're making a million dollars in six months. And they say that shit. They say that. Yeah. Literally, they yeah. say that. Get clients in 24 hours. Do six figures in one month. And they put that shit out there and tell people that and people buy it. Yeah. And that's that's not cool in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think it's like we have a student that signed up in our course and did ten thousand dollars a second month. Not everybody's going to do that, you know. But we do highlight that. But then we also break down the practical parts to it. So 
I think, and dude, you're starting to see literally uh, people are getting investigated for fraud by the FBI. The people who really are starting to have a problem with it are the people who are doing like Forex, foreign exchange, um, or they're messing with currency. Because when you do that and you have, you know, a lot of people looking at you, you have a lot of people who sign up for your course and pay you $2,000 and then they go, dude, you're not teaching me shit. Mm -hmm. Like, you, you, they sign up for the course and then get told to read a book that doesn't help them yeah you know that that they can get that for free um they can get a book list for free so yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of fakeness going on and you're starting to see it get exposed and there's nothing wrong with being at a certain level and saying you're at a certain level now you don't have to go into all your problems and you know post that on your sales video you don't have to say every you know difficulty you've ever been through or whatever you're going through right now but you know when you have guys that are like i just bought the car of my dreams and then they they show that they just bought a lamborghini which they did or they leased it which yeah. most smart people do um i i shouldn't say it like that because that could offend some people my brother sells uh land rovers to the every famous person like obviously i can't tell i can't tell you who but let's let's say all the most famous people you've ever heard of a-list celebrities are people my brother sells cars to and they all lease their cars why because it's smart their mm -hmm. business manager has them do it they know they're not going to own it for more than three years um coming from automotive it's probably different if you're building a car mm -hmm. but as far as balling out and buying a big you know fancy car or whatever car you want most celebrities are leasing them or paying cash in full for them so when i say um that people are doing that yeah they're they're somehow getting a lease on a car yeah and then saying i buy the car in my dream and then you see him like the next month going oh this is so hard i'm going through all these struggles like there's so much like pressure it's like duh because you just you're paying three thousand dollars a month for your car lease like yeah. i can't imagine what you're paying <laughs> for your house and to keep up this this image you got going on so when you go through a hard time there's a lot uh there's a lot kind of less uh how do you say it like empathy for someone that's like flaunting this lifestyle and we're in a good time right now where everybody's winning yeah you know there's a lot there's a lot of growth and the economy's good you know yeah so let's go ahead and get into the uh the agency okay so it's a smda that, that's our program that's it's, a uh, social media digital agency okay um you can find that at avnidigital.com and uh, just the backstory on that. So when I finally figured out how to do it, uh, one of my clients said to me, I was doing videos for them. And uh, I, that's the one I told you about. I was making like six grand one, man, one month, n no grand the next month. <laughs> yeah. And then like two grand the next month and one grand the next month and eight grand. The so what I started doing is realizing like, oh, there's a lot of people that need their social media managed. They need ads run and they need marketing for their business. And so one of my clients was like, will you run our social media? And I was like, yeah, maybe no. Yeah, I'll do it for $2,500 a month. Mm -hmm. And then I started doing that. And then I got one client and I got another client and another client and another client. And I realized, okay, I have an agency now. And so in doing that, I went from like three years of like, I don't know if it's three, it's probably two years of like up and down mm -hmm. to like all of a sudden having my own agency and having clients and having contracts or agreements with them where they had to they had to give me notice if they canceled so I can go off and get another client. So I was stacking clients and then all of a sudden I had a business. Mm -hmm. 
And so um, the, the SMDA program, the Social Media Digital Agency program, teaches people how to do that. Because when, when we were younger skating, you got hired by a company to shoot photos or make videos. And that's how most people did it. Nowadays, uh, at least in skateboarding, that doesn't exist anymore. You can make more money doing a YouTube channel. Um, you can make more money having, you know, Instagram's hard to grow on these days, but you can make more money helping other people with their social media as a base. And so you're seeing this huge trend of people starting their own agencies and they need to know how to do it. They need to know how to how to approach a client. And my background is in, in cold calling and having clients. And so there's very practical steps on how to charge someone money, what to charge, how much to charge them. Um, you know, I started off at 2,500 and then I have clients that pay me a lot more than that now. So, or us, our agency, a lot more than that now. So that process of how to get clients and have them pay you monthly retainers and then having an agreement in place and, and what do you, what monthly services do you provide to them? Um, and really there's kind of, I'd say four or five core services to provide to people that they're that's worth it for them where they want to keep you on board yeah let's go over that if we can. The, what services the, they yeah are. the services that so, you would offer your clients number one and this one i'll mention first because it's the most disposable but it's managing people's social media you know they don't most people especially doctors anything in medical they they're specialists at what they do they're not specialists at marketing so they need someone to make their page look good to post photos for them um, that's step one. Now you can charge someone very little for that. Uh, let's say 500 to to $1,000 a month just to post on their Instagram. That's service number number one. That's very disposable though because the second they need to cut back, boom, like mm -hmm. you're gone. Service number two is ads, Facebook, Instagram ads. Now that you can bring people into the office and it's kind of complicated. So you can learn it and then go to businesses and say, I'm gonna bring you new clients, I'm gonna bring you new patients or whatever type of business every month. I'm gonna help you grow your e-commerce store and you can advertise for them. That's a, great, um, that's a great tool to have. That's the second one I would say. The third one is video production. Video, filming and editing and recording video and audio is something that most business owners don't know how to, most don't know how to do themselves so they need someone else to do it. They need content. Everybody knows you need content nowadays, so you can create content. Now, the difference in these three services so far, first one is kind of manual labor. Second one, you can kind of automate. You can set up ads, uh, run it to a landing page, boom. You, once it's going, it's going. You just manage it. You you test it, you manage it. So that's that's a really good way to scale your business or to have many clients that you're running ads for. Video, um, we have a few video guys that work with us that we sub it out. And I got to the point where I was like, you know what, these guys are better at me than video. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna go sell and then I'm gonna have them uh, produce these amazing videos. Uh, and then fourth, I would say would be uh, building websites mm -hmm. and landing pages. So building websites and landing pages, uh, I mean, there's uh, like our site has 15 services on, but I'm just gonna go over these ones because gotcha. these are the easiest ones for people to learn and get started, right? So websites, you, the cool thing about a website is you can go find someone that needs a website and do it for them for free and sit there and learn how to do it. Now I'll give, I'll give someone a quick rundown right now. 
this I'm gonna this is part of our program. I'm just gonna throw it out there so that people anybody listening that maybe can't afford it or that wants to know how to get started can do it. So video takes a lot, you know, to learn to edit. Use uh, Adobe Premiere if you want to get a good camera. The A7S3 is a great one to get started with. Um, you have to spend a lot on lenses. It's like $5,000 in equipment to get going. You can do it for as low as $1,200. But with websites, really you want to be building on two platforms, well, three platforms. So you can build on Squarespace. If you're getting started and someone wants to build you a site, you want to build someone a site for free and then take that and leverage it to charge other people for building their sites, go to squarespace.com, build the website for them for free. Uh, use G Suite for the email, and then you can get free images from unsplash.com. Totally free. There's a Now, they're not the best editorial images. Like, there's not space for words and stuff, but they have really cool photographic filters that you can get. The, they're all free. There's thousands of images on unsplash.com for free. Sign up for Squarespace, get images from Unsplash, build someone a website for free, take that website then, build yourself a website, Go to other people, and you're talking, uh, you know, between one and five thousand dollars a pop, and people will pay you to do that. So that's a great way to get started. Wow. The second way is WordPress. So I'm going to tell you the best way to get started on WordPress. Anyone listening, go to wpengine.com. The reason that you want to use WP Engine as opposed to GoDaddy or anything else that's not GoDaddy's really good for when you're first getting started, but the sites just don't run as well. They don't run as fast. Um, WP Engine is a great a great way to get going, and then go to um, Envato. It's called Theme Forest, and buy the Avada theme. It's A V A D A. You can just put Avada theme in Google, and it'll come up. Buy that. It's sixty bucks. So now you're looking at about eighty bucks to get started building someone a site on WordPress. Now that's going to take you a month. WordPress is way more complicated than Squarespace, but um, I have a few people doing it right now. They're learning how to do that. Once they do that, they can go out and charge 4,000 bucks. Do two of those a month. You just made yourself your own job doing your own thing. 8,000 wow. bucks a month. Now you're probably gonna start off charging two or $3,000 a month, Yeah. but that's how I got started is I taught myself. Um, I was like, I need to know how to build a website and charge someone money. So I figured it out. I Googled it. Now it took me forever to figure it out myself. Um, so those are, those are two great ways. Uh, just so if anybody listening wants to know, like the pricing, usually I'll charge social media management, 500 to a thousand to manage someone's Instagram. Uh, we'll charge 500 to 2000 on the, on the low end. It can be in, be as high as three if it's a bigger brand to add, to run someone's ads for them. Mm -hmm. And that's before they, they spend all the money on the ads. Um, so it's just you facilitating everything, managing the ads, gotcha. yep. and then you build out like a landing page where you can capture people's info. Use ClickFunnels for that, and then um, so for videos, I I started off charging five hundred. I now won't do a video for less than three thousand. Um, that's not true, two or three thousand. And then websites, you want to start off do one for free if you haven't. Build your own for your own agency. And then start using either Squarespace or WordPress and charge two to five thousand dollars for that, depending on the client and their budget. And that's a one-time fee for the website. Yeah, got you. But there's a management fee with the website and and all that. So usually, what I'll do is I'll stack it up to where there's like, um, let's say there's like about five or six thousand dollars of value a month, 
and then I'll show the client, look, if you pay me once, all good, pay me this and I'll do this. Mm -hmm. Or we could do a monthly and you could pay me $2,500 a month. We'll start off with the three month deal. I'll do all of this for you. And then we go into a 30 day month to month contract and you mm -hmm. can cancel anytime. And they're usually happy to do that. Yeah. Um, you do typically want to have agreements in place like year agreements, but you need to get pretty good at that before there there's two sides to a year agreement. If you don't like the client, uh, you're stuck and they get pissed. And if they don't like you and they want out, it's usually, I just would rather let someone go yeah. than have them stuck paying me money, you know, for something that neither of us wants to do. Yeah. But that's the basic rundown of the finances on starting your own agency. Okay, everybody, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors and we'll be back in one minute. Yo, what's up, fool? Make sure you check out Downstar for all of your dress-up needs. Get it poppin' over here. We have all the kits for the K-Series, the B-Series, the transmission, the mounts, the engine, the Toro, baby. We have the hardware for the seats, for the stereo. We got it for the speakers. We got it for the lug nuts. We got it for the air valves. We got it for everything, dog. So you make sure you hit us up at downstarring.com or you call us up, fool. You can even text us, lame. 818-937-3472. Just shoot us a text and tell us what's up, dog. I need some fucking balls in this bitch. Hit us up, downstarring.com. Hey, and if you got an Instagram, slide in our fucking DM at downstar. Wait, hit up the homie, Frank underscore downstar. He's the one that takes care of all the DMs. Hit that lever up and shoot him a message and he'll get you all taken care of real nicely. So um, out of all five of those things, I think the thing that really interests me the most would be step one, would it be the social media. Mm -hmm. So what is something that bullet points that you can provide? Say if somebody came to you and says, hell, this is my company. I'm not good at social media, mm -hmm. which in our industry, it's very common that there's older gentlemen that this isn't their generation but they've been grandfathered into it and they're well established in the community but they're social they're probably 2000 followers or something like that say somebody came with you with that what is something that you can guarantee them uh that your services will help out with so the first thing is right now is a really tricky time and i'll just say this straight out you don't want to promise anybody growth right now because Instagram has made it so tough to grow right now. Um, we do have accounts that are growing. Um, and the reason that they've done that, just, just I, I gotta just throw this out there just for anybody that knows this already. I'm sorry for anybody that doesn't, this is important, is that Facebook and Instagram want you to pay for ads. Mm -hmm. So their goal is to make it as easy as you can to, to advertise with them so that everybody's doing it and it's worth it to spend at least 10 if not you know, $50 a day advertising. But you cannot really expect a lot of organic growth like you used to be able to. You And that that's kind of like, I didn't go for it when you could grow organically. And so a lot of people are stuck right now. And a lot of people have grown like crazy because they went at it during the time when the algorithm would let you grow. Yeah. So number one is don't promise growth. Don't promise you're gonna get all these followers because you're probably not. And I know companies that are spending lots of money, lots of money on social media management and they're not growing. However, there are ways to grow. Um, there's a lot of factors in if you are growing. So what I would say to someone that wants to manage someone's social media is 
it's your business card. It's how people like the DMs, you can DM any business um, you want. If they look at it or not is is them, but if they're active on social media, they're usually gonna see, that doesn't mean they'll respond, they'll usually see your message. So in managing it, don't promise growth, but emphasize this is a business card. This is just as important as your website. People need to come to your Instagram page. Now, if it's a business, you want it to look like a brand. So like if you go to our Avni page, there's a lot of grays, there's a lot of like the our blue brand color, um, there's educational videos, our, it's Avni Intelligence, AVNI Intelligence. You're gonna see a certain look. And that looks changed a little bit just because we, we went from our in-person podcast and we started doing calls for our podcast. But um, you wanna have a certain look if it's a brand. You wanna have, uh, you don't necessarily have to have a certain look if it's a person, if it's a personal Instagram account. Yeah. Um, you can have a little bit different of like, this is me doing something cool. Uh, but with brands, you want to have a certain look and feel. You want to have the brand colors. You want to have good-looking photos that match what they're doing. And then uh, what you do is you build out like uh, different story covers that that look cool. And you build out like their profile picture. You start adding images so that when people land there from your ads, that that it looks cool. So the first one, as far as managing social media, the main thing you want to emphasize is picture your your customer looking at your Instagram and they're either going to look at it and go, oh, you care about what you're doing or you're not with the times and you don't care. And then they're just going to go, all right, we'll go to the website. And, you know, it's it's good to have a business card on your Instagram page. Got you. And your Facebook page. So you do you feel that Facebook is important now um, in business? For advertising, yes. Really? Yeah. For Well, I mean, they're the, it's, it's owned by the same company. Facebook is now groups. If you're going in on Facebook, you're going in on groups right now. That's really what Facebook is pushing. And the reason that they're doing that um, is because they got in big trouble for basically having all this private data. Now that private data was very useful to advertisers because we could target people based on all different kinds of things. You know, we could target people on what their interests are, what sites they visit, this and that, and you still can but it's being a lot. It's being regulated a lot more, and um, the longer something's been around, the more effective it is. The the more expensive it is. Um, you totally can do it still, hundred percent on Facebook and Instagram ads. Yeah. So back to uh, Instagram. I know a mm-hmm. lot of our uh, our listeners they want to figure out how to grow their page organically. And like you said, it is hard mm-hmm. nowadays, but what are some tips that you can give that would, um, that you've realized that have helped, um, lately, especially with the changes of like the algorithm and such. So I'll, I definitely have, I mean, this is something we talk about every day. Um, and the number one thing is having a niche. How people are passionate about niches. People are passionate about, like I'll give a great example is the Nine Club in skateboarding, the podcast, the Nine Club. Yes. So they are they are so niched in skating. They are they are it when it comes to skating, right? As far as like interviews and it's basically right now Thrasher, the Nine Club, uh, maybe the Barracks, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. The Barracks is in there. Um, as far as providing content, yeah, gotcha. As, okay, yes. As far as like as far as like media companies, gotcha. Out there. Yes, yes, yes. But back to your back to your point though, the Nine Club has the best interviews and the best 
uh, well, I'll say one of the best, like the top three content as far as what's going on in skating, what are people talking about? So they're growing, right? They're growing on YouTube and they're growing on Instagram. Why? Because they have a sense of community. Mm -hmm. And I'm gonna contrast that with our podcast, the OVNI interviews. What we quickly realized is that entrepreneurship is not a niche because there's all different types of entrepreneurs. There's digital marketer entrepreneurs, there's fitness entrepreneurs. And so you really wanna find a niche um, that people are passionate about and that they wanna come back to every single day. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I don't know how big, for example, the automotive industry is, but I do see a lot of people that have really big accounts because they stayed within that niche and they keep putting things out that people want to see. So number one is have a niche. And this has been, I'll tell you right now, this has been personally one of my biggest struggles to give a, a bad example is I was posting the best skateboarding in the world for a long time, for like two years, right? And so everybody that followed me was in that niche. But my goal was always to start a a learning entrepreneurship company. So when I started mixing that in, some skaters are into it and some skaters are not. So followers started dropping off Mm -hmm. because I didn't stay within my niche. Now for Avni, Avni's always been like entrepreneur focused. So that's why the account's at like 11,000. Um, I think it's at 11K. And because that that's always focused on entrepreneurship. Me, I went from posting professional skateboarding to posted stuff about like growing your business. So I de-niched and yeah. that's a bad thing. So if you wanna grow, basically right now to sum it up, find a niche and give it time. You can still grow, 100% you can still grow, but you have to do it um, within your niche but you can always pepper in things that are not within your niche. For example, the Nine Club had Little Wayne on, right? Because he loves skateboarding. Really? Yeah. So no that's way. like, but he loves skateboarding. Yeah. So it's still true to their niche. It's still true to skateboarding. But it's you know they're bringing in people outside of skateboarding who love skateboarding and growing it that way. But they've become the power in skateboarding. Yeah. Have you been on that podcast yet? No. No. Dude, I haven't been pro in so long. I don't know if I'll ever be invited. Really? <laughs> you got a good story, man. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I don't know. They like they're they're the type of podcast though that you don't ask, you be asked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, um, I I would even if I was, I wouldn't ask right now. Yeah. Um, just because I want our company's doing good, but um, I there's a few more things I want to do before I start like really getting out there. So got you. So let's go ahead and switch gears towards Avni. Okay. Um, if you could tell me a little bit about that. Uh-huh. So Avni started. Um, Mikey Taylor got kicked off DC. He was trying to figure out what to do after skateboarding. Um, he was looking at a few different things, and one of them was digital products. Right, digital products. How do you make money selling information? And uh, like I said, the discussion that him and I had all the time was, gosh, there's so many cheesy people doing this. There's so many fake people that are like literally, ta- and then you hear this, every everybody's going to roll their eyes when they hear this, taking photos with jets and like you yeah. know, renting cars and renting houses for the weekend and shooting their videos and saying that they have this to get people to buy their products, but then those products don't work. So Avni was born of my desire to always start a learning company, to le- to start a learning company to teach people how to live the lifestyle that they want um, and, do, and do what they want with their life. Mikey 
has always been really good with money. That's always been his thing. Like, I mean, he just bought the Tesla Model X this yeah. last week. Yeah. But you got to understand, he was driving around his his Civic. Now, that Civic, as this audience will know, there was a lot more to it. Yeah. Than it, it just being like it was a, pretty quick back in the day. Yeah. Than it just being like a standard, you know, hatchback. It was, you know, he built that thing top. He built like three of them, and so here he was all of his friends were buying mercedes he's always been like known how to approach money and so we we kind of started it off going okay he was like you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna do real estate that's what i want to do that's my thing after skating but he's like i also want to teach people about all the things that i do you know he started and sold with his co-founders josh and paul they started and sold saint archer and and he has a business background also what we realized as we got into Avni was that we're interviewing all these entrepreneurs, but Mikey's really passionate about teaching people about money. And I'm really passionate about teaching people about like starting their own agency and, and digital, the digital space. And so now it's really cool. We're, we're doing, he's, he's working on, and I don't know how soon it'll be out, six, 12 months. Um, a program on money, mm-hmm. like everything that you didn't learn in school about money that's going to be what his nice. with commune capital that's kind of their path and then with avni what we're teaching people is practical revenue streams things that you can like right now if you were to go to school and say teach me how to be a digital marketer they have programs they're starting to have programs but really you can go and learn it from programs online as long as you get the right program so kind of my mission is to take this huge population of people who are passionate about social media and who love, you know, video or, you know, just whatever it is in social media, but they don't know how to make money doing it. And it took me three years of going, oh, videos, okay. Broke, poor, broke, poor, one other month. How do I charge people for this? How do I have a business? So that's the direction that we go with Avni. Now, Mikey's still a partner, a co-founder in Avni, but I mean, his real estate company takes up so much of his time that, um, you know, we talk almost daily, but his full-time gig is commune and, and they buy buildings and they, they, they either fill them up or they sell them, whatever, you know, they're, they're on their first two projects right now. Uh, they have one in Long Beach and one in Ohio. They've been working on those. And I think they're looking for like their third building. So his, that's a full-time thing. And he has a team that's been doing real estate for 25 years. Right. And then on this side, it's like, Hey kids, anybody, or not just kids. Hey guys, anybody that's like figuring out how to do what you want, because I'll tell you what, am I super passionate about, about, you know, doctors? No, but I do a certain amount of work and charge monthly retainers and have cool clients that gives me the freedom to do what I want. So that's what, that's what the SMDA OVNI program is. And that's kind of why right now we're really focused on that one program and mastering it. And we're just getting to the point now where we have kids that like, we have this one kid who just flew out from Sweden. So this kid hit me up, like, I don't know how long ago. He's like, hey, I wanna know if this program's a fit for me. He'd already taken two courses. One was on running ads, the other one kind of sucked. And he was making 500 bucks a month selling lamps for his parents. No, not selling lamps, managing social media for his parents, Mm -hmm. 500 bucks a month. And so I call him, I like to make sure it's a fit so that someone doesn't sign up and it's not for them. I try my best. 
Um, I'm not trying to sell everybody and have them quit. You know, I'm trying to sign up people who, who want to make money doing social media and ads and stuff. So anyways, he signs up, then he hears me and Mikey making bets on our podcast. And he's like, dude, I'm going to make you a bet. If I do $10,000 in the first three months, I get to fly out to LA. He did it his second month. He took our program. He went through it twice. He went out. He just went to businesses, gave him a presentation and said, look, I want to manage your social media and do your ads. And he got like six clients. He, you know, they pay him whatever. They wanted websites. They wanted videos. His second month, he made 10,000 bucks as a 20 year old kid. Wow. And then there's another guy that uh, he was, this, this story is like the best. He, well, I shouldn't say the best because that was Lucas. His story was amazing. This other guy, Anthony, he, um, he's at in and out manager on Instagram. He signed up and it's crazy living at home, working at in and out and wanted to do his own thing. And so he signs up and then we were doing a skate night. He came out. He's like, dude, I want to quit my job. I'm like, don't quit your job. <laughs> yeah. He's like, don't do it. And he's like, okay. Came, came the next night to the skate night and goes, I put my two weeks in. I'm like, bro, you're crazy. I told you not to do that. He's like, I did it. I'm like, okay, let's let's hustle here then, you know? Then he comes to me the next month and go by, goes, by the way, I'm getting kicked out of my, my mom's house. I'm like, hey, you better start working, dude. So, but he did. He put in the work and it's been 10, 11 months now. And this month he's going to do $10,000. Um, why? Because he knows how to charge people money. He knows how to... He did a lot of uh, project work. There's two types of work, project and retainer. Project is like, build me a website for $5,000. Retainer is like, I'm going to pay you a thousand bucks a month to run my ads or 2,500 bucks a month to run my ads and do videos, whatever it is. And that's what we teach inside the program. Mm -hmm. So he's doing, he's doing uh, $10,000 this month. He thought he was going to do six and then he just filled up his schedule and now he's going to do 10. Um, and then last one, another cool one was this kid hit me up and he was like, dude, I'm working at this job. Like I want to kill myself. Not really, but he's like, I hate my life. Like I work at this corporation. It's really eight to seven. I have no life. I don't like what I do. I stare at spreadsheets, spreadsheets all day. And I was honest with him. I'm like, dude, to transition out of this, can you go part time? And he's like, no, I can't. Like, I got to figure out what to do. This was like six months ago. And I was like, you know what? This is what I would say. If you want to do it, go through the program, learn it. And then the time will come when the opportunity will happen where you have a client. And I was straight up with them. I'm like, if you have no time and you're going home at seven o'clock exhausted and waking up at, you know, six to do it again the next day, that's tough. And he still did it. He pulled the trigger. He signed up. He paid for the course. And then he just called me last week. And he's like, dude, I'm going to be mad. He's like, what I did is since we talk, I took your advice and I went to the company and renegotiated a different position. And he's like, now they're wanting me to do the social media. So I'm going to get a raise and I'm going to have a company with a budget to, to do it for them, which honestly, I tell people that's a good that's a good way to start. Yeah. It, doing someone else's social media in the beginning is a great way to start because you have budget, you have you have means, you have a team, you have the ability to buy a camera for them and do everything and put that on your resume and then go get your own client. So I don't know if eventually he'll do that, but it was a transition for him that went from hating life on spreadsheets to now doing the social media because everybody needs it. I made a post a little bit about a little bit ago about the Queen of England that was she was hiring a social media manager because everybody in the world now needs a social media manager. 
So you're saying the guy, the last guy that you spoke about, that at his job he realized that they need a social media person, so he they just created a new position. Yep. Wow. So the the, what, the reason I bring that up is that it, whatever position you're in, it's like you can prepare to get yourself to somewhere else. You yeah. Know? So the, it's not always like, and I always share those other stories too because I hate being the guy that's like, yeah, our 20 year old student in Ted Grant is second month. It's true and it really happened and he worked hard for it. But there's also people who are at that job who are like, yeah, but that's not practical for me. Well, it is. If you study while you're at work to move into something else, you'll start seeing opportunities and those opportunities will will present themselves. You just have to give it a little more time. You have to prepare and know how to do this stuff before you actually go in and are able to you know, do it. Yeah, I was listening to the uh, the episode with the guy from In and Out. You said Anthony. Yeah, I was listening to it yesterday, man. That was That's a good guy, one, yeah. dude. That That's... was a really, really good one. Thanks, man. And um, I can I can totally relate to what he was saying about In and Out. You know, being a good structured company. Yeah. Uh, my guy that works with me here, his name is Alex, and his Instagram is Alex from In and Out. No way. And yeah, <laughs> and he was working at In and Out here in Ventura, and then he That's would come amazing. work here part time with us. And then I just told him one day, I was like, yo, dude, if you want a full time, like I can give it to you. And uh, yeah, we got him, bro. And it's just like, I mean, coming from a good home to that, that's a really yeah. good foundation. But coming from in and out is like things are not as busy here as yeah. they will be at in and out. So if you can, if you could go through those trenches, man, you'll, yeah. you'll definitely do good. So that was really cool, man. It was cool to hear his story. And um, I mean, that was a shocker, too, for him to just quit his job. But I guess uh, if you have confidence in yourself, man, there's nobody that can really tell you anything different. Well, let's let's talk about that for one second, yeah. too, because I, I did that, right? And what happened in my situation is I basically just quit and went skating. And I, you know, I guess one of the parts that we kind of skipped over that, that I'll just mention really quickly is there was a long time after... Um, after I came back from my mission when I was really just, I was really angry because I had, you know, given everything to this religion and I was so mad about it because, dude, not many people have the opportunity that I did. Yeah. Came up and had that opportunity. And so I was really, really mad about it. And to me, skateboarding was kind of like the one that got away. Like a lot of people have that like girl or guy that like got away that, you know, they wish they would have ended up with, or they wish things would have differently. Maybe, maybe they blew it. In my case, I blew it. Um, but you know, I was, I was really, really mad and kind of regretful about that for a long time. And then, um, I kind of just said, you know, forget all this. I'm just going to jump off the cliff. And, and I did now that's not always the best way to do it. Right it caused me a lot of pain. There was a lot of months when I, I had to borrow money and I had to, you know, it, it was, that's not always the best route to go, I would say. And it's always better if you have, um, <coughs> sorry, I gotta take a drink real quick. It's always better if you have um, a nest egg or a backup, but just be prepared. If you just jump off the cliff, be prepared to have some some tough things to overcome. Yeah. I prefer a transition where where you you have something solid and then and then you grow. But one thing is you just got to decide what it is. And then my biggest thing a lot of people talk about hustle 
a lot of people talk about the 10,000 hour rule. And my thing is persistence. Um, I think that big bursts of energy are very easy to get discouraged on because you can work so hard and then and then have a setback and feel like, well, I worked so hard, but now I have this huge setback. And I think it really just takes time. I think it takes deciding what you want to do. And there's two things that are really powerful opportunities right now. One is um, digital marketing, your agency, and the other one's e-commerce. Those are two really, really big opportunities right now that did not exist in the way that they do now for the for the general population 10 years ago yeah i always tell people there's definitely a lot of opportunity now and i see people that are on the verge of making that choice but they get stuck with the comfort of what their nine to five job has to offer Mm -hmm. uh they create pro in my mind they create problems before they even exist they say well i want to start a business but i don't have a lawyer and to me it's like you know do you got to be able to make the pies and sell them before you got to worry about getting them into marie calendars dude like you so what is your advice to somebody who's kind of in their own way of letting themselves grow to the next level so on on what you just said as far as far as having a lawyer it is important it is important to form an entity um that that is an important step however trademarks are expensive and don't let anybody tell you that they're not trademarks are very expensive so if you're gonna start something do not let that hold you back don't let it hold you back that you don't have a full-on trademark and I always give this this disclaimer with trademarks. Trademarks, if you do them right, this is how the process works. You basically hire a lawyer. The lawyer does a search. You pick a name. You do as much as you can yourself. Do a Google search. Look up trademarks. There's, I, I can't remember, 42 different classes of trademarks. Look at your class of trademark. If it's apparel, if it's automotive, look at it. See if there's an active trademark. Google it. Google all the words you can think of, find the best name you can, buy the domain, and um, do not let getting a trademark stop you. Now, if you're gonna start a business the right way, you wanna have an entity, ideally an LLC, you wanna have a trademark for your brand. But the LLC is not that expensive, it is $800 a month in California to do it, but the trademark is gonna end up costing you $10,000, and then you want to have an operating agreement. An operating agreement needs to be drafted up. And this is if you're not raising money. Um, if you are raising money, you have to draft you have to draft up a legal document for it called a PPM. But that's a whole different thing. I don't think we'll get into. Um, we did not raise money for Avni. Um, now the operating agreement. The reason the operating agreement, which that can be done for you know hundreds, if not a thousand bucks or something by by an attorney. The reason you want an operating agreement is because you need to know what happens if this business goes good, what happens if this business goes bad. Um, and then there's a lot of people that they get, you know, three years into a business, they don't have an operating agreement, and then it's successful and they go, I own this, or it's not successful and they go, you owe me that. So mm-hmm. those are kind of the three main components of starting a business the right way. Um, you wanna have your, your, your entity, your operating agreement, and your trademark, right? Those are the three things. Like if you were to approach, for example, Mikey and say, hey, I want to start a business with you. And I've seen, the reason I say Mikey is because I've seen him tell people no so many times because that takes like a lot of money to do. Um, But I would say, 
Don't let that stop you. If you're starting an agency, you don't need those things. You do need an entity. And the reason behind the entity is because you want to protect yourself from liability. If someone comes to sue you for something, which the risk in getting sued in marketing is super low, you know, knock on wood. Mm-hmm. But uh, the risk in getting sued for market, they're usually just going to fire you, right? You're not messing with like a product that's going to like burn and kill yeah. someone, right? But the reason that e-commerce and digital marketing are such big opportunities is you don't have to go. You can start your own agency by yourself. I usually recommend doing it by yourself because in the beginning, there's not enough. And I know there's a ton of difference, uh, exceptions to this, but in the beginning with an agency, it's not enough. So my advice, so now that I've thrown out all of those obstacles, let me say this. You can always get your trademark down the road. You might have to change your name. I don't recommend it, but if you're selling a product, you can always get it down the road. Um, try to pick a name someone doesn't have. And remember with certain businesses, you don't have to go get it trademarked. And I should add this in with the trademark. The reason trademarks are so expensive, don't get tricked. To send off a trademark application is 400 bucks, that's it. What the lawyers charge you for is a search. So for example, in the beginning, our company was gonna be called Elon. And Elon, we searched it, we came up with the names, it was E-L-A-N. We had it, we had paid a guy to design it for 4,000 bucks, like a brand guide made it, the branding look amazing. And then we sent it to the lawyers like, okay, guys, we've figured it out. Do the trademark. And within an hour, they came back and said, there's already a a digital product named Elon. We're like, what? (laughs) They're like, yeah, it took us 10 minutes to find on Google. And we Ah. just hadn't Googled that word. But because they're they're pros and they do it all day, they knew what words to search for. So we found it. Now, if you send off your trademark, it takes about six months, four to six months for that to get approved. So the risk that you take, if you do it yourself and send off that $400 trademark application, is you waste six months and then you get it back and it's wrong and you have to wait another six months. So, and and then, the, the don't be fooled because every lawyer is gonna tell you it's 2000 bucks for this. And you're like, oh, it's only two or it's only one. I've seen this happen like 10 times. And then you're like, okay, cool. Then they hit you back and go, okay, here's the search. Are you ready to go? Yeah, okay. They bill you. It's like two thousand. And and then they after they do the work, it's like, okay, now it's it's six thousand. Oh, by the way, did you want to do international trademarks? Are you planning on selling outside of the U.S.? Oh yeah, we are. Okay, that's going to be another four grand. Okay, well hmm. we're only going to do it in Australia and Germany, and you know here and and Europe, and then it just it just piles up by the time you get a legit trademark. So. Uh, keep that in mind, but you don't have to trademark in the beginning. Um, it, there's a risk in it. There's always a risk in it, but um, don't let that stop you. If you can get the domain name, you're you're doing pretty good. If you can get the Instagram and the domain name, you're doing pretty good. So I would say there there's a way to do it. If you have the money, if you do have the money, do all three of those things. Have an operating agreement so that you guys don't get into like, like you can't argue your way out of like who gets what if you don't have an agreement and mm-hmm. things go bad, right? And then when it's set in stone, it's set in stone. Um, and, and then if if you can in the beginning do that, if not, get started. Buy the domain, get the Instagram, set up your email with G Suite, get started, build yourself a website. Um, and the the one thing I would say is watch the formal things that other people are doing 
and they might not seem significant, but do those things. For example, uh, there's a company called PandaDocs. It sends off uh, amazing looking presentations. Go to PandaDocs, it links with QuickBooks. Sign up for QuickBooks, it's $20 a month. Those are two very formal things that you can do to make your business look really professional. Make sure you have your at ovniintelligence.com, your email. My email is eric at ovniintelligence.com. Make sure you have G Suite. You can have it on your phone. I don't recommend using Microsoft. Uh, Microsoft is usually if you have an IT guy, you have, there's a lot of like different things that are difficult to do. But G Suite, you get your at email. It looks really good. <clears throat> and it's $9 a month, $10 a month. Um, but those little things like Panda Docs, like having really good presentations that you send off to your clients, having QuickBooks, even if you're only making $50 a month, right? Watch the formal things that all the big guys are doing and do those things. Make your website look phenomenal. Look at it and say, well, what does like, the big guys look like? Mm-hmm. Make your website look like that. Get on QuickBooks. Get professional presentations. Um, one thing that I learned from one, one of our guests that was super insightful was the work that you do is the ask the work that you'll be asked to do again. That was from Finn, Finn McKenty. Great interview on our podcast to listen to. Um, and he worked for a guy that's really high level. And he's like, look, the, the type of work that you do is the type of work you'll be asked to do again. And um, it's true. Now that we produce world-class video, we get asked to do world-class videos again. But it's very hard to produce a low-class video and then get asked. Now, I'm not discouraging anybody from getting started because that's how I got started. But find a way to make your videos look world-class if you have to hire someone out. And then you'll get asked to do it again. Even if in the beginning that means giving up more of the profit to a video guy and making less of it yourself. Well, next time you can charge more and keep a lot of the profit for yourself. Man, those are some really good tips. And um, a lot of that stuff is not even that expensive to do. It's not. Just start something and build on top of it. Um, I always recommend to people, look, if there's an idea that you have, a name that you want to have, like just do those simple searches do the domain search, you know, do the Instagram, email, things yep. like that. And if that name is available, capture all of that stuff. Get the Hotmail, get the Gmail, get the domain, get everything, yep. get the YouTube channel, get the uh, social media. And then when it becomes time that that's going to be, that's your foundation that you're going to build and you just start slowly yeah. building on top of that. Yep. That's awesome. I'm really glad that you touched on those points. Um, I want to get a little more into Avni, the uh, podcast mm-hmm. side of things. So um, before you before you started, I was scrolling through your Instagram and there was maybe about a four month period where you didn't do any social media. Uh, and then are the you next, talking about me personally or yes Avni? you you personally yeah. and then it then you your next post was that you were starting avni yeah so uh what was uh before we get into the podcast uh, what was the the significance of that gap were you just over social or no it was um <clears throat> it was there there's sometimes when you fit right in and there's sometimes when when you you're not like either you're not there yet or the industry's not there yet and so what was happening was there there was there was two of there's me and mikey now during that time mikey was going through a really rough transition i was there the day that he got kicked off dc okay 
And so, and anybody that's listening, I know that a lot of listeners are automotive. For skateboarding, when you get kicked off your shoe sponsor, you're pretty much toast. You're done. Your career's over because that's how you make money. Um, as far as like a, a, a pro on the level that Mikey was. So Mikey was going through this transition of figuring out what he was going to do after skateboarding. I was going through the transition of um, filming videos and that's all I've ever wanted. All I've ever wanted to do is start a learning company. And so I was like, I want to start this learning company. I want to start this learning company. That's all I want to do is start this learning company. I want to help people do what they want with their lives. Like that's my mission. That's all I want to do, right? So there was a time when me and Mikey were figuring out how to do this. We were seeing all these guys like in, and their image did not fit our image. Mm -hmm. And it was guys like, and it's not hating on them, but it's like guys like Ty Lopez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you look at Ty Lopez and it's girls and cars and mansion. Mm -hmm. And me and Mikey were dumbfounded. We're like, dude, he's doing what we want to do, but this is not what we want to look like. And so a lot went into figuring out, well, what is our brand? And it was tough because we knew that our brand was not going to sell instantly and right away. And it was going to take this long build. So me being off social media was me going from going to the skate park every day to now figuring out what the hell do I post? Like, what do I post on Instagram? Hey, this is me at my computer working on mm, Shopify. Hey, this you. is me working on Squarespace. Well, now it actually is that. Yeah. But figuring out, I mean, dude, I was at, I was at like 8,000 followers and dude, I didn't go at Instagram when I should have. Mm -hmm. I should have gone to Instagram two years before I did and I'd be like, you know, at 40 to 100,000, which back then it was so easy to grow. Yeah. But all I ever cared about was starting this business. So there's not really, it's not like I regret it. It's like, this is all I've ever wanted to do. I don't, I think a lot of us didn't realize that the algorithm was going to get so tough to grow. So when I, during that time, when I wasn't posting, I was figuring out how do I start this learning company? How do I actually help people? How do I help people do what they want with their lives? And um, the cool thing is that I landed in, in an area where I can actually help people because there's a lot of skateboarders and there's a lot like the skateboard slash creative market. You know, these, these digital marketers have hit a lot of the saturated market. But there's a lot of people out there I get hit up every day like, dude, how do I do this? Like I'm getting texts as we're doing this right now. They're seeing our ads and going, okay, this kid from Sweden did and he's 20. How do I do this? And that's what our program is. Yeah. So we were figuring that out is, gotcha, what, is what was gotcha, going gotcha. on. Gotcha. Okay. So then um, you guys decided to start the company. Um, how comfortable were you with the podcast at the beginning? It's funny because I'd taken a... I'd taken a course called Interview Your Heroes from my favorite podcast by Andrew Warner on Mixergy. Mixergy. Mm -hmm. And I actually took a full course on starting a podcast. He does them all on his computer remote. And then I looked at like what Joe Rogan does. Mm -hmm. And I looked at what like drama does. And mm -hmm. drama was like our third guest. And we were like, we're going to do them in person. We're going to film them. We're going to make them look phenomenal. And that's what we did for the first year. And our learning in that was, so let me answer your question though. Go ahead. I was not comfortable. Okay. I used to suck on camera and I've gotten pretty good at it now and pretty good at just answering questions. And there's kind of a trick to it. You keep your answers 30 seconds. 
Now, I haven't always honored that in this podcast. No, it's all good. This is long but, form. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's long form. It is. And and when it's like that, I'm glad that there's really different types of podcasts. And this is a Joe, this, this format right here is like a Joe Rogan yeah. format where his, his, his podcasts are three hours and people listen to the whole thing. They yeah. watch the whole thing. And then you have certain ones that are like 15 minutes or maybe 45 minutes of like, how did you do this? Let's talk about this. And so at first we did the long format and that was when we realized that uh, in order to do that, you have to have guests coming in and kind of the conclusion I've come to is that you either, you either post a video podcast when you can, but unless you're on the level of like Joe Rogan, where like, dude, if you get on Joe Rogan, you're blowing up. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't matter if you're a scientist that lights likes broccoli sprouts you're gonna blow up because he has such a huge audience but then again the thing that people forget is he's been at it for over 10 years and he was one of the first to do it mm -hmm. right so then you have someone like my buddy omar elatar omar the rock star on instagram and he does in person he does video like we're doing right now mm -hmm. he goes out to the location and he doesn't care if he puts one out every six months but every time he puts one out it's like a billionaire every single time he puts someone out that's like one of the biggest people in business gotcha so that's his format so i wasn't very comfortable at first i got very comfortable um i like it now and again like anybody that's learning how to do it i'll throw this out learn how to give 30 second answers and stop <laughs> <laughs> because like we've had guests that have talked for like we've had guests that have literally talked the whole time and we didn't get to ask any questions got you you know so you want to guess that or if you're if you're the host you want to ask the question get to the point and let the guest talk which you've done a really good job at i've noticed thank you i'm trying you know i think the the reason that i wanted to start a podcast is because i was a fan of podcasts yeah and i was a big fan of long form podcast so because yep. i'm just always working here at the shop just throw on my headphones and just listen and when the episode ends i kind of get bummed out if it's like an hour episode or something like yeah. that you know i always wanted more i wanted more and um that's when i decided to start the podcast i was wanting to gear more towards uh long form and surprisingly yeah people stick along to the end uh like i've done a podcast before that was four hours long yep and when we stopped it it didn't seem like four hours i could have kept going yeah you know i've done multiple podcasts in a day and it's just how i feel it's just like training you mm -hmm. know put me in front of anybody that i can and i'm gonna figure out a way to navigate this yeah. conversation if they're willing to have a conversation yeah and those are the kind of people that i want to have on people that have interesting stories that are willing to talk and it's not an interview style where they mm -hmm. just answer the the 30 second question and then it back and forth back and yeah. forth i'd rather do like the long form kind of things and i mean i guess that's what podcasting is you figure out what kind of lane that you're going to want to be in and you go down that and some somebody that i really uh look up to and follow a lot is andy frisella um, yeah oh yeah yeah yep. and uh sometimes when he has podcast it's just like super irritating to me because i only get the 15 minutes or if it's yeah. the max you get one hour and I know in his eyes, maybe he's thinking along the same way as, look, I just got to get this content out there, do whatever. But, dude, I would love to hear just, you know, two hours. Just keep going, yeah. man. And um, Have you ever broken down the science of podcasts and why it's become so big? No. 
I mean, I, I could I've, just, I know my attraction to it. Well, I, bro- I, I, f- I broke it down at one point. I was like, why are podcasts so big? And do you want to talk about it? Yeah, let's do it. So what, I, what I've realized is that podcasts, and this is this will be interesting for anybody anybody listening, going, why are podcasts so interesting? Well, I saw, jo- you know who Jordan Peterson is? Yeah. So I saw him talk. He came to the Thousand Oaks Civic Arts Plaza, and I was like, I'll go see him talk. Like, you know, he's, I don't know if he's like my favorite because he's an intellect, but he's, I was like, I want, I would like to see him. So I went and he was like, yeah, I, I was talking to Joe Rogan the other day and he was, and I was like, you're the biggest interviewer in the world. How does that feel? And Joe Rogan goes, I'm trying not to think about it. I try not to think about it. And then, so I was thinking about, wait a minute, he's the biggest, and there's ways to put that, that he is and he's not, right? Mm-hmm. You could say Oprah, you, there's a lot of ways to say he is and, and other ways to say he's not, but he, in some ways, he is the biggest interviewer ever. He definitely like, is. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, what, and Jordan Peterson, this is the way Jordan Peterson put it. He goes, look, we're used to hearing things. We're used to hearing. We're, he's like, our ancestors sat around campfires and, and talked for five hours, and they liked doing it. He's like, that's normal for humans. He's like, yeah. what's not normal is looking at a little screen for a long period of time that's in our hands like they didn't do that back then he's like so people trip out like why like people can't pay attention to a video on their phone for 30 seconds but they'll sit there and listen to a podcast (laughs) for three hours he's like that's how we're wired we sit there and listen to people talk he's like that's normal for humans and i was like you know what he has a pretty good point i never thought about that and then the next part of it that i i didn't realize that i'm sure you've realized doing a podcast is the RSS feed. So podcasts started off as like a blog and then it was literally that blogs are not big. Why? Because an RSS feed for anybody that doesn't know is a feed from your blog that goes out to different uh, different sites and different, uh, different avenues such as Apple, iTunes, Pod- iTunes doesn't host any podcast. Yeah. And people don't know this. When you go to start a podcast, you're like, oh, I upload it to iTunes. No, you don't. You upload it to a third party that then streams it through iTunes. So where is it stored? It's stored on your website. Or now there's services, you know, like Anchor is the one I always recommend when someone's starting a podcast. Anchor's the best one. You upload it to Anchor and it distributes it everywhere for you. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, I, and it's funny because you you start with whatever you have and then you usually stick with it. But Anchor is by far the best place to start a podcast right now. They just got bought by Spotify. Gotcha. Um, so anyways, there were these blogs and then everything went mobile. Well, when it went mobile, people stopped reading blogs as much. Because why? Because you're not going to sit there on your, your phone and read uh, you know a 10-minute blog. Most people don't anyways. But what webs or what uh podcasts did is they streamed the audio portion of those blogs through itunes Mm -hmm. so all of a sudden you were able to capture the audio on your mobile device or as you're driving or as you're at work and most people who listen to our podcast are either at work and they want something to like you know keep them going or they're driving to work or from work and they they want something while they're there to listen to and so that's in the kind of the science of why podcasts have gotten so big is that, you know, yeah. people want to listen to long format talking like Jordan Peterson said, and it streamed and replaced blogs. That's why blogs are not as big and podcasts are. 
Yeah. So when I, that was interesting. I just that that's why I feel like people are willing to listen to those long conversations. Yeah, I never thought about that, man. I just I, I just had a, an attraction for it. Maybe it was because of my line of work that yeah. I'm just like doing my own thing all day, and I just wanted something to. Uh, like I was telling you earlier is to feed my other interests. My interests are just not cars, you know, and I know a lot of people listening are probably surprised by that. Well, yeah. probably not now, a hundred and some episodes in, but yeah. that's the reason that I wanted to do this podcast because for the last 10 years, everything that I've been doing, everything that I've been creating is focused around cars and which that's cool. But like I'm, I'm in my mid thirties now with a married with a son and it's just like okay my life is in a totally different direction than it was in my early 20s yeah plus i'm as as fascinated with music and the culture of music as i am yeah. with the culture of cars but how can i ever get all of it to intertwine and then now we add skateboarding back into it which yeah. just reignited a fire that that i put out and i one of my biggest regrets i shouldn't have put that that fire out back in the day i should have been able to merge them all but you know in hindsight yeah. like this is what i'm trying to do now to merge all of my um the things that interest me and make me happy into one kind of thing gotcha so uh i love podcasting man and um i just i hope that this gets to a point where it can take a lot more of my um my time and I can justify it because at this point right now, we're just in the building stages. You know, yeah. if you look at this from a business standpoint, you would have to look at this from like a long term project because in the last year, I haven't made money. I've lost money with podcasting. With podcasts, yeah. But it's just that I see it as something that I'm trying to build in the future. And you're talking about monetary wise. Like I've gained so much knowledge from the guests that we've had yeah. and connections and networking and things like that, which is, you know, that's priceless. For sure. To be able to sit down with somebody to pick their brain and to show them your genuine self. And then hopefully in the future, you guys can, whatever, work together, do something. Yep. But um, so Avni, do you guys have a schedule for your podcast? How how are you treating the podcast portion of it? And what do you guys see it being in the future? So for us, we did it in person for a year. And we got to the point where we were doing three cameras set up in, in a loft in downtown LA. Yeah. And we were just like, you know what? We cannot keep this going with our niche. Mm -hmm. um, our niche was was a little, it's funny because it was too broad and too niche. It was too broad in the sense of entrepreneurship is not a niche. And it was too niched in that skateboarding entrepreneurs is too small. So we had to look at it and go, okay, what are we doing here? And in person in downtown, I think what we're going to start doing which I'm not going to commit to this yet. I think we're going to start doing them in-person video probably like once every four to six weeks. Mm -hmm. But right now I'm doing um, um, audio from my computer. Okay. And that way I can connect with people who are in New York, San Francisco, even overseas in Sweden we've done. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so as far as like the knowledge, like when people are listening to podcasts, like for example, automotive is perfect. People mm -hmm. who actually work on cars, Dude, they're sitting there like doing stuff for hours. So they have time to listen to podcasts, right? Yeah. Um, so for us, it, it it started as on person and video, but we've had a lot of people that are like, dude, I miss your guys' interviews. I, I miss being able to watch them on YouTube. And we're like, dude, that's really expensive for us to do. Like 
to pay our filmer to come out, set up all the gear, break down all the gear, take it home, edit it, and then upload it to YouTube. Like that's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think we're not gonna do that every week, but I think we are gonna reintroduce the video interviews to like some bigger guests. Um, for now, we do it every week. We do it, we put them out usually Wednesdays. Sometimes it's Thursdays, depending on if if we're ahead or if sometimes obviously the guest flakes, which, mm-hmm. which does happen. So we try to be ahead, but it comes out every Wednesday. It's focused on people who are making money in the new digital world. So our, our goal is to the educational system. We don't dog on it. We don't hate it. But people need to know how to make money with with digital marketing. And so that's our thing. Plus, there's a lot of skateboarders there are a lot, and a lot of people that came from that era that are now in this new one. And they're like, dude, I don't like what I'm doing. I want to do something new. I love like doing, you know, Facebook ads but they've never known how to make a business doing it. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the focus of ours um, right now at this moment. So I'd say we're gonna have some, most likely have some a few in, in-person interviews from time to time with the bigger guests. And then not to say it's not a bigger guest if they're only on the audio version, but we put those out once a week and that we highlight stories of how they did it. How did you build your business? And it's funny, I'm super impressed with your business. I didn't know Thank how you. cool your business was until I saw it today. I came in here, he's got a, his own two-story facility and I walked through, I saw the lobby, I saw like the workshop, he's got like more storage on the second story and then I was like, dude, where are we filming this thing? And then he's on top of that, got a studio. Like this is, this <laughs> Thank is you. sick, man. Like I really appreciate it. How long have you been here? I've been at this actually um, on October 5th, this Saturday, we're having, um, this is probably going to come out after, but we're having our fourth annual meet here nice. at the shop. Love it. So we've been here for four years already awesome, now. Man. Yeah, it's dope, man. I, I really love it. And like I said, we just upgraded all of this stuff within the last six months. Okay. You know, um, I was doing, this is episode 106. So from episode 60 and before, mm-hmm. I was doing it in my garage. So um, something clicked in me, man. I, I can't pinpoint it what it was, but it was just like, you know, I need if I want this podcast to go anywhere, I got to take this seriously. Yeah. And when I was doing it at my home, I would have the guests come maybe at like 1030 at night and we would just talk yeah. throughout the night. And uh, a lot of the people that I speak with, they're like uh, night owls and, you yeah. know, they're, they're down to do it. But the reason I would do it that late is because my family, they get home maybe about six o'clock. So I have from six to nine with my son and from about 10, 10 30, if that with my wife to spend yeah. that time. And like, it wasn't really fair that I had to cut down that time with, with my wife Got you. so I can do the podcast. So I said, you know what? I'm going to take this seriously. If I got to take time away from, from Downstar facilitating orders, I mean, so be it. That's what I have to do. Because I know what it took me to start Downstar. Yeah. I know what it was to start from the ground floor and move up. So that's what I've been doing since then. And it's it's opened my eyes to a lot of stuff, man. I mean, you speak about Mikey Taylor. Like, I had the privilege of having him on the podcast. Yeah. And all that took was me just reaching out to him via DM and setting it up and having the day. And it was just like, wow. I never thought that somebody of that stature would come and want to be on this, 
but then I start seeing things from a different point of view is that somebody that's on like Mikey Taylor's level, they have a message to spread yeah. and they're trying to spread that message wherever they can. Totally. So that's kind of been my idea of looking at things is that I'm not looking at people that, yo, what can you do for me? I'm looking at them. And that's something that I learned from Mikey. What can I do for you? Mm-hmm. How can I help highlight the projects you have going on? Your your album you're releasing, your clothing that you're about to release. How can I be of assistance? How can I use my platform to help you yeah. out? And I, I think since I've been looking at the podcast more in that way that it's helped grow it a lot love it and i'm excited man i'm excited to see where this goes and in a year from today i think that this is going to have a totally different look but sort of the same foundation as it does now yeah so we'll see where things go man but um even just to have you on the podcast like it's exciting just to hear what you're doing and and able to change the trajectory of your life with just making that decision and putting down that uh that hard work and it turning into something now appreciate it man you know and not just for you having your own business but for what you've been able to do for the people that have bought the um the program and have succeeded from it yeah that's that's the best part of it is like working there's like a sense of there is a sense of community now amongst our members and they're out there like wow i'm really doing this and then people will sign up and be like oh i'm stuck i'm like talk to this person you know talk to the and i talked like i i'm in touch but having that sense of community is huge and everybody should be looking everybody doing something should be looking at that you know what what sense of community are you building and and create something that people are proud to be a part of and they want to be a part of now let's talk about that community and Mm -hmm. network um how do you figure uh the best way to network would be and what could be some tips that you could give people who are maybe not that comfortable with like cold calling people uh be a little more specific are you talking about for growing their business or like uh, if they're starting an agency or i i'd say i'd say networking more on like a professional level and getting yeah i i guess sort of like an agency and being able to reach out to people okay so this is this is a it's a good question i have a it's actually something i'm working on right now so the answer would be uh well let me just tell the story it's not long it's sure. like just a minute but about yeah, i don't know a year ago six months ago i realized i was doing everything myself i was like killing myself doing all the work and so i was like i need to be doing more as far i need to be excuse me i need to bring on people that can do a lot of this work for me and at the same time, Mikey was getting really busy with communes. So there was like the first year of our business where Mikey hadn't bought his first building yet. And it was him and I every day. And we were like partners in crime. And then all of a sudden, you know, he starts his capital company and he's, you know, spending a lot of time there. And so I kind of found myself like, shoot, man, I'm alone and I'm doing all the work. Now, I'd still talk to Mikey a few times a week, but it was like a f- quick phone call or we'd meet up you know, to go over something. And so what I realized is that I need to surround myself with people who are a step ahead of me. So step number one is put it out there, put it in your brain. There's there's our, our conscious brain, our subconscious mind. If you put something in your subconscious mind and you tell it to do it, it will do it. You will start looking for opportunity. So I programmed in my head, and this is like the old Brian Tracy, Tony Robbins techniques is like, 
I need to find people who are going to help me grow my business and that I can be like a team with. So I put that out there. I just programmed my head. I didn't know who it was. And then I started looking. Okay, well, since then, I've found a bunch of people that I'm working with now. And the cool thing is, is those people are a few steps ahead of me, sometimes a lot more than a few steps ahead of me. So the way that I did it is I found them and I said, okay, what is this person? What, what makes this person stoked? Like, how is this person? Like what drives this person? And some of them, it's like the, the one guy I just connected with, I'm really excited to work with. He has an agency. He's doing a lot more than I am. Right. And so I looked at it and that was where the lesson of like, get QuickBooks, get presentations came from because I started looking at him. I go, oh, that's really easy. I just need to do it. I just need to have well, the reason I learned that is because I was looking for someone for that was four steps ahead of me doing a lot more money than me in their business. And I started, I approached and I said, you know, what does this person want? And I realized I have this person, this client I could send him that doesn't work for my agency, but would work for his agency. Okay, next thing, video. Our, our agency produces world-class video. He doesn't have video. Mm-hmm. So I said, look, I'm gonna do a video either for free if I do it or for cost. So you're gonna get a world-class video and I'm essentially gonna give it to you. And the the whole time he's like, bro, he's like, when I got started, people mentored me, people taught me. And I hate the word mentor because it has a certain ring to it. It's like, you gotta go find an 80 year old who's gonna tell you everything they know. Yeah. Find someone that's, that, that's a few steps ahead of you that you can do things for and then they'll be like, ah, now you got to find someone that's willing to like that that's not going to like put you down. You yeah. know, you got to find someone that's going to lift you up. But find people who are steps ahead of you and then start looking and then do this. Okay, let me break it down. Find people, put it in your mind you want to find these people. Once you find them, figure out what motivates them, what excites them. If you start talking about something that bores them, they're not going to call you back. They're not going to respond to you. So add value or give them, help them in ways that they need help, however you can. You gotta figure it out. There's no right answer. Find the person you wanna connect with, do things for them that they value. And then from there, be honest about like, I wanna learn from you. And usually when you tell someone you wanna learn from them, they're usually glad to share with you. Like Mm -hmm. there's very few people that are not glad to share with you as long as you're helping them in any way that you can. Uh, be careful of their time, but that's that's what I did. Is I found I started surrounding myself with people who were at least two, if not five, steps ahead of me, and then helping them however I could. What can I do? And I, you know, the things I just said. I'll do this for I'll do this for you. I'll do this for you. And then I would start doing things for them. And then sure enough, it started coming around, and I'm benefiting from it. Yeah. So that would be my my take there. So how would you put yourself in that position to even have that conversation? Do you think just like DM with with the person or so and and finding out what makes them tick and what makes them stoked? Like for example, this guy and and he can totally hear this and listen to it because he'd be like stoked. Yeah. I, I found this dude, he has an agency that does a lot more than I do. And I was like, okay, what what makes him stoked? I sent him a message and I said, look, I'd love to buy you lunch. Um, you know, I have some clients, you have some clients, like maybe there can be some crossover. We do video. So I noticed he doesn't do video. I do video. Now that might not work out for me. It did because he needed video. And 
once I sat down, I real I, I listened to his business and I figured out like buy someone lunch if they'll do it, right? Yeah. And then I, I saw he need what makes him tick is adding new clients for his Facebook ads, mm-hmm. right? That's what makes him stoked. And like not only that, but he's he's a rad guy. Like I'd love to be friends with this guy. And so I realized, oh crap, I have this old client that it didn't work out with us, but it ended really well. But he works with that specific type of client. So what am I doing? I'm working on getting him that client for free. So I'm gonna send business to him because he could use that. So I connected, Hmm. you see what I'm saying? So now I'm working on getting him a client for his business. And he's like, okay, like it hasn't happened yet, but I think it will. And if it does, he's like, okay, like thank you for bringing me essentially free money. Yeah. And then I there's another client that I'm going to bring him as well because he specializes in that and that's what kind of makes him tick business-wise, right? There's other interests and friends we share in common, but first of all, I was looking really specifically looking for someone like him that was steps ahead of me. Um and to be honest, that's how most people do it. They either have a family member or someone that takes them on and says, "Look, I'm going to show you how to do this." Yeah. Do this, this, this and this. You go do it. Okay, do this, 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 and this. But initially, you have to build that relationship where they're willing to teach you and willing to have you around. I appreciate that, man, a lot. Um, the reason I ask that is because uh, coming from Oxnard here, it's I never really had an example of a business owner of mm-hmm. you know really a good influence besides my immediate family. Yeah. You know, um, my my history, what I should have been was I should have just went to school and then got a good job at like Haas or something and called it a day. That's what my life was supposed to be like. And you know, everybody's life is you can be whatever you want to do, but realistically how it goes is the people you surround yourself with the community that you're in, like this is kind of where the people who succeed, they'll end up in these places, Procter and Gamble or Mm -hmm. something. One of these big companies out here in Oxnard, but that's something that never really satisfied me. So everything that I've done from the time that I decided, yo, I want to start, even when I was a child uh, in high school, I used to sell CDs. And that's where I started the name at, Downstar. When I was uh, in 2001, I was probably like 15 or whatever. I would sell CDs at school. So that was my first step into like entrepreneurship. Love it. And just knowing that like I didn't want to make money in the traditional way. And I worked at the traditional places where you're just nine to five and you're just doing a job that you hate but i never had an example of somebody to show me that there was another life outside of there so that's why i'm trying to figure like how would somebody be able to network with somebody who's not in their general vicinity um more of it would be like I said, reaching out in DM, uh, would you think that that would be like the the best way to reach mm-hmm. out to somebody when in your in your circle you wouldn't really have anybody to like help you out? So you're touching on a point that I feel pretty strongly about, and I'm going to tell you why. Uh, I have a really hard. T- okay, so you mentioned Andy Frisella. I love yeah. Andy Frisella. That dude is the most real, down, 100%. authentic, genuine guy. Right? Yes. Um, and he's a cool guy. Like I know people that are in his group. One of my clients is in his, the Arte. Yeah. Uh Like the, the, the big one. Right. And, um, and I watch his stuff. It's funny because I wish I knew more about him. Like, I just wish, 
that's actually one thing I think we're going to start doing is offering uh, personal brand videos and telling people stories. And like instead of a three minute video, giving it like 15, 20 minutes to tell someone's story. Anyways, that was a tangent. So what I'm getting at is this. I hate, I hate these digital marketer entrepreneurs who are like, you're as smart as the five people you surround yourself. I'm going to call bullshit on that. Now, there is truth to that. But this is why I hate it. Because you, you shouldn't just only surround yourself with people who you can get stuff from. You shouldn't selfishly be like, I'm going to drop all my friends from high school and not hang out with them anymore. I think that's lame. Yeah. I think that their strength, this is my motto, is build strength through lifting other people up. I think that their strength, as you lift people up, you grow together. Like my favorite show, Band of Brothers. Mm-hmm. I'm, all about, I'm all about brotherhood. I'm all about forming a community, right? So this whole this bullshit about like drop everybody that's not making, that's bullshit, I think, in my opinion. And what I do think is that there should be some people that you're lifting up, that you're like, that are coming to you being like, dude, and I have those people through our program, right? They're hitting me up, they're like, dude. And now they're kind of like, you know, making as much as me or, you know, like doing really well. So like have that group. And another thing I've learned too, is that there's a lot of successful people who are very negative and who will put you down and who are not gonna help you be successful. And I've encountered like some very specific, very successful people who, if I hung around them, they wanted me to stay where I was at. Yeah. They wanted to keep me down, right? And that's not some victim mentality. It's because they wanted to see how much they could get out of me for paying me the least amount of money. And they weren't interested in what I wanted to do with myself. So when I say surround yourself with people who are a few steps ahead of you, you also might need to surround yourself with people who are haven't gotten there yet, but believe in you. And you also might need to surround yourself with people. I surround myself with people who we lift each other up. And sometimes it involves me lifting them up more. And other times it's like, dude, I have bad days. I need to call people, right? So if I'm only surrounded with people who are only going to tolerate talking about extremely successful stuff, you're not going to have a friend. Yeah. A lot of times. So anyways... I, I, I don't think that only surround yourself with people who are successful is true. I think surround yourself with people who you both build each other up, whatever level they're, whatever level that you or they are on. That's my take on it. Yeah, I, I could totally agree with that, man. And I think that the people that I try to surround myself with nowadays um, are people that have they have a good foundation and they're good people and they have an idea of that they want more out of their life not more meaning financially it's just that they want every day is a new chance to make a new victory and those are the kind of people that i gravitate more towards rather than somebody who it's saturday and they're just like oh cool i don't have work today i'm gonna chill all day you know um i always say this back in the day i used to have a really uh bad relationship with money and i held money the highest possible over you know Mm -hmm. relationships friendships anything like that and um now i've realized that money is more of like a tool and a lot of people still do it to this day they see that i'm a business owner that i focus on like motivation and they they try to like show me things that are financially Mm -hmm. motivated you know and i'm kind of like uh i'm not really on that wave anymore because that that 
that pool is kind of tainted with those type of people that you are yeah. saying. And that's kind of the lifestyle that I'm getting away from. Like, oh, okay, so you're a millionaire. You have this car. That That's cool. But where can we relate to? Mm-hmm. And if we can't relate to anything besides like liking the same material things, like that has really no value to yeah. me at all. But if you're a person who just has a regular nine to five job, but every time that we sit down, we have a conversation about like, aliens or time travel or whatever you know something that's an enlightening like i find a lot of value in that when in the past i would have been like oh this dude doesn't have this kind of car or whatever i don't want to hang out with this person you know and i don't know it could just be like growth or something yeah but it's just uh well everybody wants those things everybody like really and i heard a quote the other day about Money does not buy happiness, but the absence of money for sure causes unhappiness. Yeah. Um, so the absence of money can definitely cause ha- unhappiness. But um, you can surround yourself with someone who's super wealthy and it just brings you down, you know. So whether or not they have money, surround yourself with people who they're, who you value your, your relationship with. Whether it's some people, it's just business and other people, it's friends, you know, but I surround myself with people who I lift them up, they lift me up, and I totally agree. The, the money is not like the primary issue, but building your business, you definitely want people who you can bounce your ideas off and it's fun and like that's, it's like just coming here today and seeing your operations really cool because now I, I know that 15 minutes away from me, I have someone <laughs> who's super motivated and hardworking Thank and you. built his own business. It's awesome. I so I'm trying to surround that, myself with as many people like that as possible. Yeah, no, definitely, man. And and uh, I want people to know that just like I told you the story of how I started the podcast, my buddy came with the backpack full of his equipment and he had the podcast up a few weeks later and it was on iTunes with his logo, with my name. It looked just like if I was going to go to a yeah. Joe Rogan episode. Yep. So when he painted that picture for me, yeah. I said, wow, this is this is a lot easier than I thought, yeah. you know, and all of this stuff, everything in here, all the props, everything, you're you're not even talking that much money. It's yeah. more about creativity and being able to paint this kind of picture that, that you want shown, man. And I, I really appreciate that, dude. I, I appreciate, too. I appreciate you coming out here and having this conversation with me. How, so how long have we gone? Uh, I don't know. I would probably say we're about the two hour mark. There we go. So, <laughs> this is awesome, man. I love we having these long form conversations. Yeah. It really gets to highlight the, the guests and show where they're coming from. And I think that you've done an awesome job. And it's, uh, it's made me feel like to our listeners that they're able to see more that it's not about where you started the things that you've gone through it's like you still have a chance to change around your life and make it whatever you want let let me say that just since we got into it um i don't really get into religion and politics i and the thing is it's in in going through my whole story it's it's essential when i actually get into my story it's essential to talk about the mormon part right but anybody listening who is mormon like Dude, I back you. Yeah. Anybody who's listening who's who's had a bad experience with Mormons, I understand, you know? And and like I'm the most like supportive, like accepting person, you know, out there. So I, I wanna make sure that in no way was there any discrimination. I definitely don't get into political parts. I'm very I have 
you know, very open and accepting uh, views on both sides. So I just prefaced it because I usually don't get into religion. I yeah. usually don't get into my marriage, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. And I, I try not, to, I try definitely, I, I told some stories about my ex-wife that I haven't talked to her in 10 years. I'll probably never talk to her again, but there's no hard feelings at this point, you know? Yeah, I think that our listeners, they know um, the way that we navigate conversations, the things that are going to come up, and they're more of just a fly on the wall rather than, you know, judging or anything like yeah. that. You know, I have my certain feelings about religion, but I see why it is an attractive quality to a lot of people, you know? Life, yeah. life is hard, and life is hard if you're trying to figure out how to navigate through it and you have no path and you don't know what's ahead and it's a scary thing you know yep. so if there's an, an establishment that has been around for a long time i can definitely see that as being something attractive yep. as attractive as like uh college would be totally to people you know if you think about it right now yeah I, I, of course i want my son to go to college but if you ask me why I mean, I still have that mentality of the past. Well, I want mm -hmm. him to go to college to get a good job, but I don't even know how I can say that because yeah. I never went to college and I managed to make something happen. But it's just, it, it's, I don't know. It's it's a different time that we're in right now, especially with Very the, the social media and new ways of marketing, new ways of, of starting businesses. I mean, at the end of the day, he could literally have his own business right now like yeah. we put that he's the ceo of downstar skate like that's awesome he's the one that's putting <laughs> in the work he's going to the yeah. skate park and you know uh he he's putting in those those uh learning those lessons yeah so i don't know man it's like i think everybody that listens to this they hopefully they have an open mind and understand that you know this is this is how i went through my life these are the mm -hmm. trials and tribulations i went through and um i'm i'm very appreciated to have that kind of um listener base yeah but um dude this is such an awesome conversation man i really really so, appreciate really, it really has been stoked man i've been super stoked just like again just to see your business um i know you put out the video but this is a really cool facility and it's awesome to see someone doing what they want and make a living out of it. So I'm, I'm hyped to see it. Likewise, man. So before we get out of here, uh, where can people find you at and where can they uh, look into a little more of the agency mm -hmm. that you offer? So our Instagram's at Avni Intelligence. It's A-V-N-I Intelligence. The program, you can find it at Avni, A-V-N-I Digital.com, Avni Digital.com. And then my personal is at Eric Bork, E-R-I-C-B-O-R-K. Dope. Okay, cool. So we'll go ahead and list all of that below. Um, but before we get out of here, what do you foresee the rest of your year being and what are some goals that you want to accomplish going into 2020? This year? Yeah. Um, so my goal right now is I I kind of have some, some more like uh, purpose pieces that I want to do down the road through OVNI. Um, but I've identified that there's two parts of our business. And the agency side of our business is one that I need to grow and grow and grow. So my goal with my agency is, I, I'm not going to talk numbers, but it's to triple the the client work that we have. Gotcha. And uh, with a specific focus on recurring revenue, monthly recurring revenue. And that will give us the freedom to create all these really cool pieces that we want to do. So 
um, you know, my my end goal, I'm not too far from it. I knock on wood and that's not me being like superstitious. It's more like programming my mind. Like don't ever let, you know, like, so, like have you ever heard of hype fever? No. Hype fever is the fear of, of tripping up if you get successful. So I, I always try to just not uh, over promise to myself yeah. or not to, to dwell on negative thoughts. So that's why I knock on wood. But anyways, yeah. So to try to, uh, my goal this year, by the end of this year, it's not going to happen by the end of this year, but I'm going to say my goal in the, in the coming near months is to triple this, it might, but to triple the size of our agency business. And then I have some very specific initiatives to focus on as far as like the content that we put out. I want to put out very precise, valuable content for people that people look at Avni and go, damn, I'm so glad I follow them because I want to like learn uh, so much from that. And right now it's very focused because you, you have to start with your niche. You have to start with a community of people that are like, yes. And with us, we've just found success and we teach people that are that don't know how to make money with social media how to do it. So the goal is to grow that program. Now that we've been having success, uh, I want to, on that front, 10x our business there. Damn. So with Hell the, yeah. The, I mean, the, and the reason is, is I didn't feel comfortable telling people, hey, I did this myself. I mean, I did feel comfortable but I didn't feel comfortable going out to the entire world and being like, do this, do this, because I I had done it, but I hadn't successfully taught other people how to do it. Now I have. Yeah. Now I've taken many people from nothing to having their own business. And it's so cool to see that. And so now on that side of the business, we want to 10X it. So it's three times in our agency business and 10 times in our, um, our program. What about some personal goals that you have? Um, personal goals. It's I actually, my, my main, uh, personal goal is to get serious about life again. And I know that sounds broad, but, um, I'll say this from the past eight years, the reason I, ha I know I have such an amazing girl mm -hmm. and, you know, we've been dating for eight years and we're not married is because all I wanted to do was make sure that I had a profession that I, I loved and that didn't have a ceiling. Yeah. So I figured it out the hard way. In doing that, I have sacrificed going on vacation. I have sacrificed, now I'm not telling everybody like you have to not go on vacation, but for me, I have worked seven days a week for the past eight years. There's not been one, and maybe there's been three. Uh, when I went to my girlfriend's mother's wedding, she got remarried recently. I worked the, the entire time I was not at the wedding. Um, that was like two years ago or something. I've worked seven days a week figuring out how to make this happen. And that's the point of the, the program is that I don't think everybody has to do it that way, right? So when I say get serious about life again, I mean, there's a reason I haven't proposed to my girlfriend, right? There's a reason I don't go on vacation. There's a reason that I hardly ever take photos. And like when you mentioned four months on social media, I guarantee you I was in my room on my computer 12 hours a day trying to figure this out. So I'm at the point now where it's starting to go. And once I, I know I want to triple it, but once I double it, I'll be to the point where I'm good. And in California, it's so expensive to live here. You know, it's like, you really have to be making a lot of money to live here. Um, 
And when you're paying people, right? Yeah. It's even harder because you got to make even more money. So uh, there's personal stuff, but like get serious about life again. You know, just have like, get get that foundation, that base of like going on vacation and, and you know, like, dude, I'm in my late 30s. Like, am I going to have kids? You know, like when I say get serious about life, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. I'll be honest, my divorce threw me off that track. Yeah. I was like on track, do this, get the house, get the wife, get the book. And then I, I was like, I just don't care. I yeah. just don't care, you know, so that's as, as much details I'll probably go into is just get serious about life. Again. That's awesome, man. It sounds like you have a really great girl. She is dude. She's the best. Olivia is the best man. Shout out to Olivia. Yeah, man. Awesome. Good. Well, Eric, I wish you the best. Anything we could ever do. Uh, I'm always here to help out, man. Um, I'm excited to know that you're just in Camarillo. Dude, seriously. <laughs> and it's, it's cool to see. Yeah. Like I said, like I connect with people who are doing it. So Hopefully we can do stuff. I mean, I I literally am so hyped to see your place and see what you're doing. So thank you. That makes me feel good, man. You know, um, this that uh, the community that we're in, the automotive community, it's not as uh, lending to like bigging the people up. It's more of the like, oh, you think you're bad now kind of community. <laughs> but it's it's slowly changing from negative to positive, and I'm gonna try to do as much as I can in there. But awesome. it feels good just to get any compliment, man. I really appreciate it because we're definitely putting in our work here, you yeah. know. And not only doing podcasts here. Whenever I go on a, a work trip to have a vendor booth at a show or something, I'm doing podcasts before then, after then, at the event. You know, I'm trying to collect as many. Love as it. i can so i'm on my grind you're on your grind man if we could grind together pause uh it would be dope man I, there we go i uh i look forward to seeing what you have coming on in the future and i'm excited for you awesome all right guys once again this is downtime with downstar make sure you check eric out i'm gonna have all the information below and once again thank you for your time i appreciate it thanks for having me all right guys we out peace